0: You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network.
1: You've got podcasts. (laughs) We are on the Oz Network, flashing back 25 years for a rom-com movie and a bonus anniversary month movie as we're going to talk about Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan for the third time. Only the second time we've talked about the third time that they did anything together. You've got mail. Uh, What I like to consider... Oh, you oh I I had some I don't know <laughs> was That's it cher- cherry is cherry here yet
0: <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't talk about cherry <laughs>
1: that, that was that was, cl- that was very quick um but uh this is uh what I like to consider the ultimate rom-com maybe my favorite of all time uh maybe your favorite of all time I don't know I think next week might uh be uh in contest for that uh but uh th- this is a movie that uh, we launched the Oz Network 2017, I think it was, and probably every single year we said, yeah, we should really do You've Got Mail, and now we're finally getting around to it, so you can guarantee that this is going to be the greatest episode that we've spent six years building up towards. My name is Colin, and a hot dog is singing. You want me to be quiet while a hot dog is singing? And my name is Ben, and tall, decaf, cappuccino, and I'm in Vancouver. <laughs> I almost was in Vancouver for my opening line. There's one here that I'm like, I can't believe Ben didn't pick this as his opening line because it's tailor-made for you. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there oh, eventually. I've got plenty
0: here. I mean, I was going to go with <laughs> I'm not a 22-year-old cocktail waitress. Um,
1: at, at any point, was it in the running for you to say I'm the type of guy who likes to buy his way into the hearts of children?
0: Oh, uh, no. No, that's just a normal thing, as you said. Um, I I was going to say, I misjudged. Too obvious. I thought you were going to go with I tried having cyber sex once, but I kept getting a busy signal. (laughs) I still don't understand
1: that line. (laughs) Uh, And that's how Colin learned what cyber sex was.
0: (laughs) Oh, that joke was funny a week ago. (laughs) Uh,
1: Speaking of week ago, a week ago, we were talking about Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan and Sleepless in Seattle. And uh, now we're up to You've Got Mail, the main event. Uh, funny enough, I, I think that of all the movies we're covering this month, when I looked at like IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, this is easily the lowest. And I don't think that's fair at all. I think this is easily the best of these movies. Uh, but I, interesting, I'll, I'll do my history with this and then segue into why I've always wanted to cover this movie on here. Uh, the history is I mean, I had seen uh, tons of Tom Hanks movies growing up. I mean, it probably started with Big and then uh, went from there to like Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, everything. I mean, by 1998, Tom Hanks was like number one in my household. So my brother and I went to go see this opening night. And I even remember us remarking, I think we're the only people in this theater under 45. (laughs) (laughs) It may have been like, it was probably like 25 year olds. And we just thought they were 45 because we were like teenagers at the time. But, uh, but like we were, we were there, like Tom Hanks was doing a movie and we had seen Sleepless in Seattle, weren't like necessarily obsessed with it, but. Like, this movie, I absolutely loved it from the first time I saw it and was not in any way the target demographic for this movie. Uh, but it's one of these movies that over the years, as much as I've loved this movie, it's not like it would come up often in conversation. Then probably over the last, like, decade or so, I don't know how many guys I've talked to who have always said, you know I what do. probably the best rom-com is? I've, I've talked to Ben and Noah. By the way, happy birthday, Noah. Happy birthday, uh, Noah. Two guys. <laughs> At least two guys. But... uh uh, I don't know how many guys I've talked to. Like I've literally lost count. I, I swear, every single guy I talk to will say, "You've got mail." Best romantic comedy ever made. Uh, and I, I'm not saying that women don't love this movie. I've got some very uh, harsh criticisms Jamie gave towards me about how I watched this movie. I apparently was oh. blasphemous to watch this movie and have to take notes. How do you? How do we have to take notes on "You've Got Mail"? And then when I was running He's out of time to watch this- Jamie, well, exactly. I told him that doesn't make We have to make sure we're covering all the points. we got to make sure that we're pointing out the trivia and all that. We're very professional Uh,
0: on this podcast. We stay on
1: topic. We cover everything important.
0: So, you know.
1: Let's get to the unprofessionalism, though. Um, I was running out of time to finish watching this movie, so I had to watch it on high speed on Netflix. And she's like, that's just disrespectful. You don't watch You've Got Mail on high speed. So, yes, women love this movie. But I honestly believe that this is like the guy's rom-com because I've never met a guy who didn't love You've Got Mail probably more than their partner did.
0: Uh, I mean, I don't really talk to guys, but um, <laughs> the one that I've talked to about You've Got male likes it as well. So uh, that's good. But um, yeah, I think I touched on my history with this last week. I I don't remember the first time I saw this. I, I This might be the first month we've ever done outside of a, a bad movie month or a, a Collins. We haven't done a Collins Choice Month. Um, that I've never seen a movie. Any of these movies in the cinemas? Maybe in Australia versus New Zealand, uh, New Zealand, Australia versus Canada month with some of these older Australian movies. But I've never seen any of these in the cinemas. So, I, I I think again this might have been just one of these ones that was on TV one time. I remember the, it used to be on our network here, Channel Nine. And I think we've talked about it before. When certain movies are on TV a lot, you always remember the ads for them. You always remember the mm-hmm. clips they show in the ads. And I always remember this one. And I just always remember them showing that clip of what are you doing with that caviar? It's a garnish. Like they would always show that on the ad. And I don't know why I always remember that scene, but I think one time it was on TV. I watched it. I enjoyed it. But I I do actually kind of think I did watch this with dad maybe because again, as you said, not the target demographic dad and I would be watching Arnold Schwarzenegger and James Bond movies and stuff like that wrestling. We never really watched romantic comedies. (laughs) Uh, Although next week, having said that I feel he and I watched Notting Hill together as well. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Cause he used to like that movie as well, so um, yeah, May, Or May, I could have watched this with mum. I can't remember, but it became one of these ones that I did have on VHS, like recorded off Channel Nine once. And mm. I would just watch it. I would just like, oh, that's a great movie. It's just, it's just a a movie you put on one day when you're just like, oh, I don't really feel like thinking, or I don't really feel like, you know, I just want to have a relaxing. It's a Saturday afternoon, it's school holidays. I'm gonna watch. You've got mail, and it it's it is enjoyable. It, it it's always been between this and Notting Hill as my favorite romantic comedies. It must be something about bookshops in romantic comedies because Hugh Grant runs a bookshop next week. So
1: I just read that trivia. Mm. I'm like, Oh, does Ben have a type?
0: Maybe it's just a romantic comedy trope. When you've got a really good romantic comedy film and somebody runs a bookshop. Um, (laughs) I actually watched Moulin Rouge during the week too. Finally. Good movie um just another romantic comedy slash musical you like that movie too don't you Australian yeah good movie Ewan McGregor yeah Kylie Minogue Richard Roxburgh uh <laughs> Nicole Kidman <laughs> gee Ewan McGregor's an attractive man in that film uh, <laughs> what
1: a man I meant to like Nicole Kidman attractive man oh. have you seen Hayden Christensen in the newest oh, episode of
0: Ahsoka how good was Ahsoka this week it's oh amazing. Amazing if you haven't seen it um <laughs> well, we'll talk about it on Patreon you can, can pay we? us for it seriously yeah. like the, oh and or so good shut up and watch Ahsoka <laughs> <laughs> might be better than Obi-Wan maybe I don't know anyway but um yeah I've, I've always enjoyed this movie and yeah I think like I don't I have histories with girls with this movie um which two girls that I've prominently known in my life that sounds ominous I uh, had never seen this film and they watched this film and they thoroughly enjoyed this film, so um, yeah. Talk and about one last week. It is, and sadly she's not with us. She's off seeing on Rouge tonight. She, she's no enough.
1: longer with us.
0: She died. <laughs> it was a very hard week. It was. She couldn't handle the pressure of waiting, so she jumped <laughs> off the Washington George Washington Bridge, which you see in this movie. Uh, it made me very nostalgic. I mean, this it it's a like the way this is set and just where this is shot in New York as well. Like it just it's it's beautiful. It's um. It, it captures a part of the city very, very well, which is a very nice city. And it's it's a bit dated, but it's charmingly dated, I think. Mm. Like, I also think Greg Kinnear, bit of a Simpsons future predictor, like, oh, this technology is going to destroy our lives. It's going to make us like... Doesn't he say <laughs> like it's going to make us zombies or something like that? I mean, yeah. he predicted it. So, yeah, it's... And, and as I always say, maybe the first time I ever heard of this movie was through Friends when Joey was going to go see this movie. And he's like, Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, they get mail. Um, so... Yes.
1: As far as this movie being dated, like, yeah, there are things that are dated about it. But I think what works for it and I I don't even I've brought this up probably at least three times this year there. If you can make a movie that feels like a classic movie, even just in the look of it or the tone, it takes away from anything else being dated. And Gattaca is the movie we talk about during the Truman Show that I reference over and over again, like Andrew Nichols directorial debut, where it's a movie that takes place in the future. But they made everybody dress in like fedoras and trench coats and like the the, the the sets look like stuff out of the 50s, even though it was sci-fi. And it's something that makes it timeless. And Sleepless in Seattle last week, we mentioned the same thing. Like it 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 looks and feels like a, a movie you could turn into black and white and watch it. And it's like something out of the 40s or 50s. And it's similar with this. I mean, very similar to Sleepless in Seattle and Pretty Woman. We're on a roll now with these movies that are just being inspired by classic movies. I think this movie... It often gets called a remake of uh, Shop Around the Corner, mm. uh, but it's it's more, I think, an inspired by, although they took enough from it that they have to actually give that screen credit, like adapted from. Uh, but uh, Shop Around the Corner is uh, a, a movie that I probably found out about through this, but it took years for me to see it. And then there was another remake of that uh, with Judy Garland that was like a musical version of this same type of story uh, that I saw also. And uh, it's been years since I've seen Shop Around the Corner, so I can tell you how much is about it. I mean, it's similar thing, Two people who know each other, don't get along, but uh, they're pen pals. This one updates it to email. That's the that's the difference. It, that's but not the one it, with the,
0: the human-eating Venus fly trap with Rick Moranis what? in it.
1: <laughs> no, that's this Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, well. Very different. <laughs> i seen that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then you knew exactly what you're going to get with You've Got Mail. Little Shop, little shop of Horrors. Uh, when those daisies just all of a sudden devoured Meg Ryan's face at the end of this movie, I, was, I saw a different cut. I saw the director's cut. <laughs> saw the Efron cut. <laughs> You've got male. <laughs> what she really intended. <laughs> but uh, I mean that that's something that uh, I I don't know whether this is going to be uh, anything that'll be connected with Notting Hill. If Notting Hill took inspiration, because we know with Pretty Woman, it was more so we decided to adapt the screenplay we had with this classic movie but i mean Us in seattle with a fair to remember this is probably the closest you get to remaking it and yet i almost feel like this is acknowledging that this story exists because uh having not seen shop around the corner for probably years after this uh i always assumed when i knew that it was based on it that when when you keep hearing like the uh i think it's the grandfather talking about the the mother uh, meg ryan's mother where they're like oh yeah we almost had to... i thought that they were making this as a sequel that's not actually the case at all but uh uh, this is kind of a cool idea that you could take these classic movies, just sort of put a different spin on it without remaking it completely. Um, the the other thing that's interesting about this movie is, that, again, Nor Ephron and Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, like a completely reunited cast five years later. And I couldn't really find any history that like this was something that they talked about doing. It's just sort of one day it happened. Like I, I kind of vaguely remember the lead up to this movie where it was announced tom hanks and meg ryan are reuniting and it was like people were just going crazy for just the idea that and you throw the same director in there as well uh but uh by the time this movie came out i mean it was probably being promoted as sleepless in seattle too you know but uh uh this this is similar to like what what had with uh julia roberts richard Gere or runaway bride uh this whole era built on these, these romantic comedies where you have these two leads where the chemistry is just so strong in the case of Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, it was almost just the star power so strong because they spent two minutes together in the last scene. But that's what this movie was built on. I mean, you didn't have to promote there was a story or the email connection or being a remake of shop around the corner. It was just Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan starring together again. And unlike, you know, Julia Robertson or Richard Gere, I mean, I I feel like this kind of gets forgotten as like, it is Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan and, and multiple movies, maybe because this movie stands on its own a little bit more than Runaway Bride does.
0: And I think, yeah, maybe because, I mean, I know that Richard Gere and Julia Roberts have kind of like reunited for, they did that thing on the Today Show that I said back in what, 2015, whatever it was. Mm. And I think they did stuff like the super anniversary DVD release and kind of, they've, it's been public that they've gotten together to do things to re-promote Pretty Woman at least. I yeah. honestly don't know if I've ever seen anything like Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Reunite. And that's, I think that's probably maybe a bit more Meg Ryan because she's a bit of a recluse. She doesn't really sort of public mm-hmm. spotlight and all that kind of stuff. So um, there's maybe that. But yeah, like this is what, five years removed from yeah. Flippes in Seattle? I mean, Runaway Bride was what, same year as this, was it? So that was eight years removed. Well, uh,
1: it was the next year, next so, year 99. Uh, so nine years.
0: So and I, like I remember that being a lot of hype around it, but I might have been a bit too young. I mean, I would have been what eleven when this was released, so maybe it was hype. I don't really remember it, but I think going back to my point about it being dated, though, like you're right. I think this is one of those ones where it's charming, dated. Like it's not, mm-hmm. it's not like ah, dial up, ah, ha, ha, AOL. Like it's not that type of dated. It's more like nostalgic and like for people like us who had dial up and and remember this and it just it it kind of works because i mean even like it's not just the the whole internet you've got mail sort of chat room storyline it's also like the bookstore like remember bookstores kids like these are things (laughs) that barely exist now like the internet killed that so in a way like What are the deep, dark messages in this film? So the the platform that these two met on destroyed their careers anyway. So it's kind of like, ooh, (laughs) there's layers to this film. Which I'm just saying this right now, Um, these two not lasting six months at the end of this film.
1: I completely agree. That's, that's what we're doing this month is figuring. And I thought coming into this with both Sleepless in Seattle and you've got mail be like, Oh, they're definitely still together. No,
0: no, no, No. I don't think so. No, I'm sorry. But like this man destroyed this woman's career. Um, like, (laughs) (laughs) and they've both shown that they cheat on their partners by going into chat rooms (laughs) behind their respective partners. (laughs) backs. hello. I've had experience with that. So I know it, it sticks with you anyway. Um, point is that, um, where was I going with this? Oh yeah, the datedness. It's 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 charming dated. And you're right. Like it yeah. kind of it like what you're saying very well about Sleepless in Seattle and even Pretty Woman, it's got that old feel, like the old classic movie feel. This has two, but with like modern twist to it. But even like I'm sure uh, what are we up to? Gen C's now? I don't know. What are we up to now? 12-year-olds, <laughs> 13-year-olds that rule the world on TikTok and stuff like that. Like, I'm sure if one of these Gen kids,
1: Gen them, they, them.
0: Gen they thems. I'm sure if they watch this movie right now, I'm like, oh, my God, what do they have to do with the internet? What's that? Nice. <laughs> like, you know, things like that they have no clue about. Even they'd still find this charming, you know? Like, yeah. Because you could... You could re- I'm sure there are versions of this in 2023 that are, we met on Tinder or we met on Hinge. Like, you, you know, that's just what you update it to because this is what... People did. Like, I mean, I wasn't in chat rooms until like the mid 2000s, but, um, you know, I'm sure even Colin Hilding's been in a chat room as a young boy at one point, maybe. I don't know.
1: Can I go on one right now?
0: <laughs> I don't even really exist anymore. It's sad. I mean, they... my
1: name is Noah. I'm lonely. <laughs> Nobody remembers my birthday. <laughs> ASL got MSN.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, getting flashbacks. <laughs>
1: Uh, I mean we're kind of living in this uh age now where it, we always sort of have this thing where every couple decades you know the the previous generation stuff becomes cool again uh but right now there's like this big kick about the 80s you know we had Wonder Woman 84 and all that and some of it is playing it for jokes that the stranger things is you know obviously very big on the 80s and uh, stuff like that, so we're probably not that far away where people are just going to start making movies that take place in 1998 because they're nostalgic for dial-up Whoa. or blockbuster Did video. They... Well, blockbuster has already come back. Iron was not Iron Man three set in
0: 1999, so
1: well, the they had flashbacks it. to it. Yeah, yeah, and all or straight yes. away. That's
0: all nostalgic. 99. Ah,
1: <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll get there soon. Pre- pretty soon, we will be those old guys like, oh, these were the good old days, and now the pretty kids soon, get to speak for yourself. But, yeah. <laughs> was it dri- were we were going to talk about drip this week no oh, don't
0: start me on fucking drips seriously it came up again at work this week <laughs>
1: uh we could pretty much jump right into the movie here and i i'm not sure whether this will be quick or long um this movie is made Sounds up of so many really well, the, the the tricky thing with this is, I thought going a to host joke this about is, my sex
0: life. Never mind, move on. Uh. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Things I don't want to know. Uh, but uh, usually, you can kind of predict. Okay, this is going to be an easy one to cover. But I thought this would be easier, and then I'm like, wow, this movie is made up of about 450 short scenes, and they all interconnect. I'm like, this this could be all over I, and I don't I think,
0: know. And I, well, yeah, I agree, but I also think this is one of those ones that like, as much as we love this movie, and it's not that there are problems with this movie, I think there are things about these characters and like points in this movie that we're going to like really nitpick that don't get talked about that I think that mm-hmm. might make this longer. But we can try. We try our best to keep these under eight hours. So Yeah.
1: Uh, so, uh, basically the beginning of the movie, we get, you've got mail. We get, uh, the love that sneakily song. checking the email. Uh, now this, this soundtrack I think is made up Good of soundtrack. 15 Harry Nilsson songs, and one Randy Newman. So I'm, <laughs> which Harry Nilsson song is this at the opening?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I always like this. Every time I, this is one of those movies. I'm sure you've got them. Everyone's got them. When as soon as you hit play and then they've got a song to open up, you just feel like, oh, I love this movie. Like yeah. within seconds, you're just like, no, oh, this movie yeah. it's great.
1: I, I did notice when I was watching this with subtitles on how many times it came up with Harry Nilsson's what? I'm like, how many songs does this guy have on the soundtrack? Uh, and I recently saw that You've Got Mail Soundtracks. So I think, well, well, it was actually we were shopping for books just today. No. Uh, so uh, they have, like, <laughs> uh, once or twice a year, they have, like, um, uh, a fundraiser thing for, like, the children's hospital where there'll be, like, a massive used book sale. Basically covers the entire mall. And uh, not, like, inside the stores, but all in, like, the 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 main, like, concourse areas. And we're there today, and we're picking up books and stuff like that. And they had, like, a section with soundtracks. And I saw that you Got Mail Soundtrack. I almost picked it up. Should have. Uh, but... Uh, it's very similar to like Sleepless in Seattle as well, where even with the soundtrack, they're going for songs from like the '50s and '60s. You know, mm. they're 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 dating back to try and you know help not dating this movie too much. But it adds to um, the vibe,
0: and then adds to the mood of like where this is shot and just kind of the feel of it. So I don't know. I mean, yeah. you, you get Dreams by the Cranberries in this film. Good song.
1: Oh yeah, there's at least one modern song here. Uh, which uh, I know I mentioned this when we did the Mission Impossible movies, but I always say that's the Mission Impossible 1 song because it's one of the songs in Mission Impossible 1. The only person who associates Dreams by the Cranberries with Mission oh, Impossible re- 1.
0: Rest in peace, Dolores, whatever her name is. She's been gone for a oh, few yeah. years. You know,
1: I always forget that she's dead. No, I don't. <laughs> she's always in my heart.
0: Speaking of which, the guy from <laughs> Smash Mouth died, by the way. We were correct last Yeah, episode. it had nothing
1: to do with us. I, I also, okay, This is we're already getting sidetracked here, but no. uh, when we were talking last week about, Tom, you, you brought up, is there any Hollywood couple who's been together longer than Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson? And we're speculating like Ooh. in the back of my head, I was thinking to myself, Hugh Jackman and yeah. his wife, how long have they been together? I didn't say it though. And then this morning I read yep. that a Hugh Jackman and his wife were separating. I'm like, wow, if I had said it last week, I would have been no better than Ben. I would have been the cause of this Hollywood I mean, couple's 25 year breakup. We, we
0: talked about that, but can I just say right now, no, no disrespect. I'm sorry that after th- so many years, it must be nice to have a marriage last that long. I don't know, but like it's, it's, more of a case of every woman on this planet, I think, got very happy yesterday. Um, because, again, like, I always liked them as a couple just because it was – and this is no disrespect to Deborah Lee, but, like, you look at Hugh Jackman and you think he can you know, sexiest man alive, he can get anyone on the planet. And, again, no disrespect, she's an attractive woman. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like how people bag out Pierce Brosnan. It's like, shut the fuck up, they're in love, yeah. who cares, right? So, like, no disrespect, but it's kind of sad when you see a couple like that where people question the other half – and the other person, because mm-hmm. everyone's going to like, oh, well, Hugh Jackman's fine. Uh, <laughs> Deborah, if you're listening, I'm single too. Let's go get a drink.
1: I, I did ask Jamie because Jamie had shared the story with me when I was walking the dog. And then I asked her afterwards. Of course she did. Like, she gets
0: news alerts. Comes on, <laughs> ding, 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 ding.
1: Woo! But the biggest she kept speculating. She's like, now, I don't want to speculate, but their oldest child is eight or their youngest child is 18. So is this one of these situations where they stayed together for the kids? And then I'm like, Jamie, just be honest. Were you thinking to yourself now there's a chance? She goes, no. No, it's like, now I'm not going to say that he's not an attractive guy. but
0: I mean, it's funny because I remember when, I mean, God, we're really going to sidetrack. But I remember when Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman separated. And the big thing around that was because they separated like a week before the ten, their 10-year ten anniversary or something like that. So everyone was like, oh, they're doing this to avoid like all these whatever fees. It was it was always planned and all that sort of stuff. But it's so funny you yeah. say like, are you doing this because he's available uh, you know, I I've, I recently, obviously, sadly, Natalie Portman and her husband have separated because he's a bastard. And Is that confirmed now? I don't know, but it's rumored. But uh also <laughs> discovered during the week that Shailene Woodley and Aaron Rodgers haven't been together for quite some time. So I think Shailene Woodley's also single. So, I mean, I'm in a chance with my two, number one and number two. Just saying. Clearly, I'm, I'm in I'm with the just- shot. I'm
1: just saying this, even if I were single, I would not fight you for Natalie Portman and Shailene Woodley. <laughs> They're you yours. Like, Take
0: them. Next <laughs> week with Notting Hill, right? That, that's the Ben Waterworth story if I end up with either Shailene or Natalie. But like, <laughs> what happens if I do? And here I am, just, you know, whatever. And you know, Oh, here comes Shailene bringing me breakfast. Hi, <laughs> oh, he's Colin. He hates you, by the way. <laughs> Here's Natalie. Cry. Cry for Colin, Natalie.
1: Speaking of which. Oh, and here we go. I got some chicken soup. <laughs> now is there rice or noodles in this because I was telling Jamie about our discussions that rice is not a thing in chicken soup outside noodles, of Canada. Noodles,
0: noodles. It's noo-
1: potatoes. It's p- potatoes. There we go.
0: Uh-oh, Casper's on the treadmill. And there's Casper's
1: on the treadmill. Okay. Why is it this is what you have.
0: Dizzy on the treadmill. Hi, Casper. Oh, and now Remy's here too. Hi, Remy. Okay. I'm- I'll dance for I'm- Remy. You're sad. I don't care that you're sad. Go upstairs and be sad
1: somewhere <laughs> else. <laughs> Yeah, very awesome. (laughs) Father of the Year, Colin
0: Hilding. (laughs) Child comes to him. I'm sad, Daddy. I don't care that you're sad. Piss Uh, off.
1: (laughs) I guarantee every parent listening to this has been there. (laughs) That is the best
0: reaction I've ever heard. Colin Hilding's fathering. I don't care that you're sad. Go away. (laughs) Uh,
1: Anyway, so yes. If Ben has Shailene, maybe maybe I'll have to learn to appreciate her. Um, Anyway, so this movie opens. They're checking email. Eh, You've got mail um th- they're sneakily checking email now this is one of these things where, it's kind of like sleeping in seattle i think i'm gonna have more defense for this even though it's like ah you got to criticize a little bit because the way they set up this backstory is that obviously these two characters it didn't start with them wanting to bang each other you know or cyber sex or anything like that it literally it's just like oh it's just some friend i'm talking to or whatever but when you see the movie open and they're like sneakily doing it you're like yeah there's something in there i think it's kind of saved by the fact that like they're clearly not 100% happy with their partners, even though their partners have strengths and weaknesses. This isn't like last week where there is nothing wrong with Bill Pullman. Colin, Colin, like, Colin. <laughs> well, well, where have I offended you so far.
0: Well, kind of. But, that, like, look, it's like I'm just, like, I'm being that person. I'm being that person straight away. Yes. <laughs> you have a right. <laughs> they, they're alluded to that they're not happy. I get it. You've got to make these. But, like, I mean, the Tom Hanks' girlfriend, she's a pain, but, like, she's maybe one of my favorite characters in this movie. She's hilarious. Um, oh, same with Greg Kinnear. But, Greg, but like, the, you know, but, like, it's, again, you're not happy, fine. Talk to the person. Don't go behind yeah. them and cheat on them. Like, okay, like, I, 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 I've been on both sides of the fence, flat-out honesty, <laughs> so I've been Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan to somebody and then I've been on the other side of it, so I can comment on both. I get it. It's fun. It's charming and whatever, but this is, again, another one of those movies that if you really get to the crux of these people, they're horrible people. Um, yeah. But Julia Roberts and Richard Gere weren't next week. Julia Roberts and, and Hugh Grant, So maybe it's just a Meg Ryan Tom Hanks thing. It's,
1: yeah, the, the two most likable people in Hollywood are the biggest dirt bags. That's yeah. what we're really getting at.
0: I, I just, just right <laughs> now, don't get me started. But all I'm saying is, yes, okay, sweet, charming. Oh no, they're in horrible relationships. Talk to your significant other and tell them. Don't like <laughs> it makes it does make it worse when like he leaves and she's like, oh, has he gone? Like, oh, I'm logging on. Like, oh, has this person yeah. like, yeah. Anyway, Ben, calm down. Drink your coffee.
1: <laughs> but uh the fact that they immediately have when tom Hanks' girlfriend and we mentioned that the actress last week parker posey that she mm-hmm. was uh she was in a deleted scene from sleepless in seattle and basically this role was written for her because norah Ephron felt so bad that they cut her scene from uh sleepless in seattle but uh there's just this subtle thing where he rolls his eyes while she's talking about something that kind of helps a little bit because they're the like, yeah, you know, it's not just season An you see no connection between these two. You know, you don't get the impression that either of them are really going to care when they break up. And obviously, they do kind of the same thing with um, uh, Greg Kinnear later on too. Uh, this but is where we get different. the cranberries playing. I think. Sorry, why I think is it different it right? with Greg think, Kinnear? Well, I,
0: I, the one thing I will say with the Greg Kinnear Meg Ryan one, which they do, and I think maybe this is where they've improved it from the Bill Pullman one, is that as I said last week, like, you feel for Bill Pullman. Like, like this guy's like, yeah. hey, I'm fine, you go off. Like, she's leaving and he's jumping out the window because he's so in love with her. Whereas, like, <laughs> I think what they do well with Greg Kinnear and Meg Ryan is they kind of do this, like, I don't love you. I don't love you either. Yeah, Cool, is there someone else? Cool, all right, off you go, bye. Like, like that I think is done in a manner where yeah, Meg Ryan, yes, is a horrible person for cheating on him, but in a way, like, as you're kind of alluding to, well, they're clearly just almost there for thereabouts. You know what I mean? So, yeah. anyway, sorry, I'll shut up.
1: Um, so one of the funny things is like, Jamie's seen this movie so many times that she's like, why would you have to take notes? And yet one of the first things she said is this back and forth thing where it keeps showing them in the same neighborhood crossing paths, but not noticing each other. She's like, you know, I never noticed that they are constantly crossing paths. And saying, That's why you take notes, Jamie. Okay. <laughs> uh, she should have been taking notes, uh, but, uh, it's very clever how they do that. And then the mm-hmm. way they switch this up later on to, um, I, I don't even remember now. I, I have seen this movie so many times. I wrote here 50,000 construction workers peeing off the roof. I don't know what part of the movie that was, but somebody said that. Um, It's a line in the movie, apparently. I Uh, can't uh, remember that. Tom Hanks. We get introduced to Dave Chappelle here, who's his uh, co-worker slash best friend. Uh, And uh, they're basically talking about them opening up this bookstore and how the entire neighborhood's going to hate them. And they're. Mentioning about this uh shop around the corner place and uh this is like the one holdout that I guess I, they haven't either bought out or closed down. Uh and uh th- this is um uh where <laughs> they talk about the internet and the internet's just another way of being rejected by a woman. Uh ah, and so true. Where we get that now now birdie is the grandmother of meg ryan or is she just an aunt like i've never been able to figure this out i think she's just like a uh i don't even know if she's a relative
0: is she just a friend like is she just somebody who's worked in the store Because a kno- she knew the mom yeah. yeah i i i always get confused because I, I think the old grandpa is like the one that has been like doing her but that's that's a different woman but um no i yeah. think I, th- I i yeah I, I don't know if it's ever like a specifically said but i've always just implied this is just like a long-term friend who's kind of you know like you've always got your parents family friend who you call an aunt who they aren't really related mm-hmm. but they may as well be because they're in your life more than your actual aunts so yeah
1: it, it may it may very well be she's just the longest running employee of his bookstore because tom makes even has a line later on where he talks about like you know of course she's going out of business she refuses to fire anybody she's just hired and i question the same thing i'm like you have a small bookstore that one person could operate and you have four people working there like it's not tom hanks if you cut one of these salaries then you know and birdie's old enough to retire she can be living off her her, uh she's very rich yes but but i I think (laughs) but you know
0: almost married to the king of spain i I love that that section but i I think like it, it is also that case of yeah i agree with you but i also think it's um you get these people who are wealthy, but they still like to work. I've known people who are like well off, but like they hate sitting around and doing nothing. They just still, they mm-hmm. they almost like, vol. I mean, she could be volunteering a time because she's rich for all, for all we know. Um, But can I also just point out one thing? I, I read a bit of criticism during the week this week for this film. I, I, there was like a, a Forbes or some sort of top 50 romantic comedy movies of all time um article. And all the movies that we've done this month are in the top 10, by the way. So good choice. Um, and number one was, um, when Harry met Sally. So maybe we need to do that next year. Um, but, uh, a lot of people criticize this movie. That the one thing that doesn't hold up well, they say that Tom Cruise is an utter, uh, Tom Cruise. No, Hanks. Tom, Tom Hanks <laughs> is an utter asshole in this film. Now, while I see that he's got some like, you know, like he puts her out of business. He's not really that much of a dick. Like, I mean, he's
1: just... He's the exact same character as Richard Gere.
0: Exactly. Like, uh, well, Richard Gere... Yeah, but the difference is Richard Gere doesn't put Julie Roberts out of business, if anything, the other, other way around. Well,
1: so, oh, he's, he's putting other people out of business. That's his job. But, <laughs> like, I think... But, but, yeah, I
0: mean, I see what you're saying, but Richard Gere, at least... No, Richard Gere's so much nicer in that movie. But anyway, the point is, I'm just saying in this film, Tom Hanks is just doing his job, and the, the bits where he is a yeah. dick he gets put into his place and then rescinds it. If anything, Meg Ryan turns into more of a dick by the end of this movie. So, yeah. Anyway, just they both, but
1: like, and that's one of the things I like about this movie. Cause I don't want a movie where everybody's so clean cut and perfect, you know, like, yeah, well, yeah, I'm not going to say yeah. it's, it's not a complaint about sleepless in Seattle. Cause I think for sleepless in Seattle, you needed these two perfect characters, you know, especially Tom Hanks. He's a widower. Like, what are you going to do? Make him a dick in the movie? No, but it, this movie is realistic. And, Jamie and I covered it. You weren't there, but one of my other favorite romantic comedies, 13 Going on 30. One of the things I said about that movie is like, it's a movie where everybody's kind of flawed except for Mark Ruffalo. You know, he's like, he's flawed only in that he's not like your, he's not Matthew McConaughey. You know, he's average guy. But oh, poor Mark Ruffalo. I, 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 I like, I like, no, like here's the thing.
0: More women would he's rather, not Matthew McConaughey.
1: Oh, but, but like more women would rather Mark Ruffalo over Matthew McConaughey. Like, that's the yeah. crazy thing that I've never said, but like, He's he's average guy. He's relatable guy, you know. But in, in that movie, terrible people as well, and that's kind of the point. Of the movie. Like it's a good that's point. what a movie is. You need characters to relate to.
0: That's and that's uh, so- it is a good point. I think yeah, no, you're right. And like I mean, we're all dicks deep down. I mean, Colin might be. I mean, no, no, he's a bit of a dick. He just told his child to piss off when he was sad. So I mean, exactly,
1: dick. <laughs> I um, forgot Noah's birthday. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, but yeah, you're right. That's a good point. But it's just I I just wanted to point that out that it's it's one of those retrospective like things now where people are like oh well this movie isn't good because this person and this person like say that for love actually because everyone in that movie is a dick yeah <laughs> great yeah. great movie but i'm sorry Kieran knightley you just got married and some guys <laughs> at your door trying to fuck you like horrible person <laughs> um,
1: alan rickman emma thompson i think emma thompson is the only redeemable character in that entire movie rowan atkinson is Gets his oh Rowan Atkinson, of course. You know? He always is ridiculous. Liam Neeson, in all fairness, isn't really a dick in
0: that film. He's Oh just,
1: yeah, Liam Neeson's the yeah. best. Alicia Cuthbert? Mm. <laughs> She's not a terrible person. Um <laughs> dis- uh, disagree. <laughs> but uh I-, I love the scene here with Tom Hanks uh with his dad and his grandpa here. Now the grandpa I always think this <laughs> I love as him. Alan Arkin. But it's not Alan Arkin at all. But like this guy, I, I finally looked it up because I'm like, you know, it's it's not Alan Arkin, but who is this guy? And this guy, John Randolph, he played, I don't know if you've seen this movie, but uh, Chevy Chase's father in Christmas Vacation. Um,
0: uh, great movie. I've he, always thought it's bigger, overriding.
1: Right? Oh, it's great. But, but even his dad here, uh, the, the actor plays his dad, Dabney Coleman. Uh, the, yeah, the one that I know him of is um, uh, War Games with Matthew Broderick, uh, another movie that's dated but has a charm to it about... Uh, you know, computer and starting nuclear war because he thought he was playing a video game. Still with us too. Um, He's
0: still alive. Well, it
1: was at the time of recording he? this. He was I knew he was in Inspector Gadget. On
0: Golden Pond. I knew he was like the boss in Inspector Gadget. That's a stupid thing to remember. Oh, him I from. don't
1: remember I don't <laughs> remember from that. I, I just saw here on Golden Pond. He's I'm like, well, Yeah, yeah, I remember from that. Uh so what, we're not gonna say anything. You will still be here so next we, week. We are, we are
0: recording this on the seventeenth of September twenty twenty three. Uh, 16th for Colin. So he's alive at the time of recording. He was in The Flying Nun. Uh- <laughs> are he was we doing the, the Flying the- Nun. When are we doing The Flying Nun, Colin? Uh- <laughs> but
1: I, I just want to quickly comment. Um, this movie has a lot of characters. Like, again, until you sit down and try to take notes, like, there are so many characters in this movie because you have Meg Ryan's group, which includes her boyfriend, all three of her coworkers. Then you have Tom hanks's group, which includes his girlfriend. His dad, grandpa, and his co-worker. So you got eight characters right there just on the two sides of the business part of the storyline. And then you still got the aunts, uncles, niece, nephews, brothers, whatever those kids are. Uh, then you've got all the minor characters, um, like the the shopping clerk and stuff like that. There are a lot of characters in this movie, a lot to keep track of. But I, I like the way that they set up because again, nobody's that bad in this movie. Like even the dad and the grandpa, the, the close thing you get is where they're talking about putting all the other bookstores out of business. And Tom Hanks has this thing where he does like so, something else that's in all the, the trailers and the commercials, like, psh, 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 you know, his little gun shoot thing. Uh, but other than that, like even the dad and grandpa, like there's nothing wrong with them. Like sure. The dad's gotten married like four times, but you can sympathize with him a little bit later in the movie too. And they're making a bookstore that's like, it looks very nice. I want to yeah. shop there. Yeah. They're making it inviting for people. And this is always kind of the, I, I, I'm not taking one side or the other, but, there's always the dilemma of like, oh, these superstores—they're putting local businesses out of business. It's like, okay, they're putting four people out of business, but they're providing jobs for about fifty. You know, so yeah. you can't have both. You're, you're providing jobs, you know, and like they're not bad people. But uh, I, this this scene here, where that, this is where he mentions about Cecilia's bookstore, so. The grandpa had had a thing with uh Meg Ryan's mom at some point, and I love that he's this. Nothing I didn't notice in the movie. He has this subtle senile thing. Was Cecilia's bookstore? I think I went on a date with her once. And then it's later yeah. in the movie where again he says, Cecilia. I think I went on a date with her once. <laughs> um. <clears throat> so uh we get uh, the what? What did I write? Flower in the air. What is that?
0: Oh, it's when they're doing the um the like the scenes back and forth about loving new york and he's like oh every morning i walk oh, past yeah, the bagel right. store which one of the them yeah. at that bagel store by the way so there you go yeah
1: you, you've probably ingested the flour uh yeah. multiple times walking past it yeah uh make ryan mentions his pride and prejudice which is another thing that this movie liberally borrows from is pride and prejudice which is probably Jamie's i, I mean it's it might be jamie's Sorry. It might be Jamie's favorite book of all time, but I mean hands down it's one of her favorite movies. She's seen li- literally every version of Pride and Prejudice. The zombies I... one? No, actually this one she hasn't seen. Um N- Natalie Portman
0: <laughs> was like an executive producer on that or something. She she was the one who basically yeah. got that off the ground.
1: Cuz I think I have the book here somewhere. like it, w- it was at um a Comic-Con I was buying a book and they're like, "Oh, and you can pick one of these free ones." And I picked up Pride Prejudice and Zombies. I don't know if either of us have ever read it. Um but uh the uh, the 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 back and forth they have here about debating you know the, the types of bookstores uh, you, you know they're talking about the Fox Books being impersonal, overstuffed, no knowledgeable stuff, uh, but they discount. <laughs> uh, we get uh, Greg Kinnear here getting introduced with his typewriter now. Oh. Whereas with Bill Pullman, I think they were trying to make a dud. They were making a guy where you wouldn't blame her for picking Tom Hanks over him, but. Now, as I get older, I'm like. Whereas when I was younger, I'm like, man, this guy's such a loser. Now I'm like, oh, I get Bill Pullman with Greg Kinnear. Maybe I was just the right age at the right time. I'm like, this is my kind of dud. <laughs> the <laughs> old <whole> typewriter. <thing. laughs> my Greg Kinnear, my kind of dud. Uh, but I did mention, I think it was last week that like I was a Greg Kinnear fan before this movie, or even before his good yeah, guest came out. Well, because he uh he hosted the. I think they called it the late late night or something like that. Uh, But there was. The uh, Tonight Show with uh, Jay Leno, and then there was uh, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, and then I think there was Late Late Night with Greg Kinnear originally, and then How many did I have Late 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 Late
0: Late 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 not at four AM it, with Colin
1: Hilding? <laughs> Basically, that's the way it was. But I-, I spent you know all of my Friday nights, you know, any time where I didn't have to wake up for school. I would stay up and I'd watch all three of our whatever late night talk shows, you know, you flip back and forth between Leno and Letterman or whatever. Uh, but that's how I kind of got introduced to Greg Kinnear. And I remember when he left that late, late show, I don't know, like 95 or something like that. It was because he was going to become a full-time actor. And uh, I, I don't know if he had something before. I think he might've had like one movie before as good as it gets, but then there was as good as it gets. And then there was this. So I've always loved Greg Kinnear. Um, he, he doesn't, he's not quite as busy as if he would have been. Like, I think if anybody deserved a bigger boost in the 90s, uh, especially off of as good as it gets. Like, it deserved to be Greg Kinnear. Like, him and as good as it gets, he might be better than Jack Nicholson in that movie. And uh, I'm not going to say, you know, this is an Oscar-worthy performance here, but like, I love Greg Kinnear. He might be my favorite character in this movie. Uh, he's, he's hilarious. He's, he's like, very underrated funny. I don't know. Do you, do you like Greg Kinnear in anything outside of this movie? Have you uh, seen him in anything yeah, else? Yeah,
0: I, lo- I love Greg. He's always one of these ones that I forget is a thing. Like, if that makes sense. Like, to me, he's kind of like that big-name actor that, He's in the thing. You're like, oh, Greg Kinnear. So, yeah, I um, I, I mean, I'd never heard of that talk show until you mentioned it and we would have never got anything like that here. But I think Stuck On You, Um, he mm-hmm. was that. Um, He was in one of those, Um, like, American Pie style. Was it Loser that he was the teacher that was trying to get
1: into the pants? Oh, of, yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: Um, of, uh, of Jason.
1: What's? American Beauty Girl.
0: Oh, what was Jason? The girl in that who was in I liked the, her.
1: the girl from American Beauty, yeah, yeah,
0: who's also in. Oh, I liked her; I had a big crush on her. Uh, she disappeared off the radar, didn't she? Um, she he was so also, everybody
1: from Loser did. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think it's just a good movie. Loser. That's where Teenage Dirtbag was from. That's that the where mm-hmm. that movie was from. Um, he was in Friends for a little bit. Uh, he, again, he was the asshole that like when Ross was sleeping with. Um, oh, we've talked about her. She was uh, in Twenty Four. She was the evil one that Curtis was sleeping with. Um,
1: oh, uh, Aisha Tyler. Yeah, Aisha
0: Tyler. Yeah, when when Ross was with her, then she like went back to Greg Kinnear. Yeah, he's been in lots of things. I like him. He apparently was um, John F. Kennedy in the John F. Kennedy miniseries, which I've got, which I've not seen. Yeah, so,
1: I think that's the same one that, uh, Katie Holmes was like, uh, Jackie Kennedy
0: and yeah, no, I think I, it was
1: just called the Kennedy.
0: I always, I've always liked him and but he's just, he's one of these people that just kind of pops up and you kind of weirdly forget, like he's a thing I've never yeah. seen as good as it gets, but, um, oh yeah, sorry. We could have done that on this Helen one. Hmm. <laughs> uh,
1: now we get introduced to the kids here. Now I here's kids I don't hate. And are you on board with me? You don't hate these kids? Yeah, these
0: kids are fine. Um, <laughs> I mean, and it's it's just weird because I, I talked about the daughter here, how she would go on to play Rachel, the older version of Rachel in ER. But I always forget how little she is in this film. Um, but uh, Haley Hirsch, and she was actually in an episode of Nip Tuck. Um, she like played a a girl who gets like a nose job basically before we get met, uh, introduced to Brittany Snow the Nazi. Um, so. Yeah, it's, um, they're, they're cute. They're fun. Uh, although everybody hated her in AR. I was the only one who liked her because I was 14 when she was about 14 and always thought she was hot. So, not in this movie, though. Not in this movie. <laughs> Getting the hearts of kids. She's like uh, 12.
1: T- or not even that. She's like eight. I don't know. <laughs> We also get to see another minor character here, uh, his stepmother, who even jokes about her being the wicked stepmother, I love and, this woman. Uh, <laughs> and the nanny. She ends up, <laughs> up with up the with. nanny stuff to come later. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, I mean, these kids it, it's, its such a unique thing to do, where it's like, oh no, he's my uncle, or or I think he's the brother and she's his aunt, or something like that.
0: I I, I have a family like this. I'm just saying. I have oh, yeah. aunts and uncles that are younger than me because my granddad remarried and had children. So, yeah. With a nanny. Well, with a woman younger than my mum. So, with the secretary, actually. Uh, true story. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> but, yeah, I've got aunts and uncles who are younger than me. So, I always related to this part of the movie.
1: <laughs> and this is where the little boy uh, spells F-O-X the first time, <laughs> which is probably the most quoted line of this movie. Like, everybody's like, F-O-X. Oh,
0: uh, I disagree with that. I think the, uh, the pencil, the bouquet of pencils is a bit of a meme because Casey, when she watched it, she's like, this is where that comes from. (laughs) Like, so I think more people know the bouquet of pencils line.
1: There's another one that's like my most quoted line. I can't wait to get to you. But he's basically taking them to this market fair combination of both. Uh, And uh, I love the part where Tom Hanks is doing like that little hammer thing where you hammer Mm. the strength and he's like, "Eh," he's barely lifting it. Uh, them of the car carousel. This is another shot that I always see in all the commercials. Always where he's sitting always there in, the, car in the trailers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then they stop by the shop around the corner because the storybook lady is there. Uh, and one complaint I have about this movie: when they go inside, there, all these kids are like twelve or thirteen. Like they are not going to be sitting there listening to whatever she's reading. Um, the 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 ballet shoes or whatever that book she quotes later on is. Uh, the only kids there who look age appropriate are the ones that Tom Hanks brought the red, <laughs> like were there no five-year-olds that were willing to work as extras that day? Like was it was in an in-service from a junior high. Like these kids are way too old. Uh, so this is where he introduced himself to Meg Ryan for the first time. And uh, she thinks they're his kids, but he says, no, this is my nephew. And yeah, nephew and aunt. Uh, and uh, when <laughs> they're saying, Oh, and what's your name? And just call me Joe. Uh, <laughs> and uh, later Joe, on the uh the gojo go, <laughs> uh and uh, the little boy actually spells the f o x and this we're all right quiet here and um when they're leaving i, I love the part where they're leaving here and is like uh, uh spell uh cat f o x uh, but uh, it's a great scene like cuz we they have in their first scene together here more screen time than they do in the final scene of Sleepless in Seattle. And I'm not knocking Sleepless in Seattle. I think that movie is absolutely brilliant. It just gets better every time I watch it. But it's it's so interesting that this movie is sold and that people got excited because he had Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan reuniting. But we've actually never seen them have chemistry Street before. We've never seen them on screen outside of two minutes. Oh, well, that, in that two movie minutes movie that I like, did. Oh yeah. Oh, I guess Joe versus Volcano, but like for Joe versus Volcano, I guess it's kind of romantic comedy, but it's a very dark comedy. It it would be different than this. I'd say that more like a very, you know, uh, off the wall over the top comedy, but, uh, but like that movie only kind of developed a reputation later on. It's just, this is really the first time you've seen these two characters interact in this way. And I can see why at least Nora Ephron was insisting. I want to do another movie with them because like, they're off the charts with their chemistry like it is unbelievable and it's not flirtatious or anything it's just it's Mm. friendly it's it's warm it's welcoming you know i just i just want to sit down and listen to these two talk whether they're arguing with each other or talking about books or you know the the spelling f-o-x whatever they're fantastic um let's uh let's actually stop here before we get into the the opening day when they actually find out who each other are
0: i just i just want there to be a jeff goldblum quote here when it's like he sees um, them interacting, he's like, "Ooh, ah, uh, that's how it starts." Then there's humping and kissing. Uh, <laughs> that's a good joke, Ben. Well done. Um, <laughs> a classic comedy from Ben Water. Hang on, where's the, where's the bit? Uh, there it is.
1: <laughs> oh, good one, Ben. Oh, comedy goals from Ben Waterworth. Oh, thank you, Colin. Um, <laughs> Amazing.
0: <laughs> I'm always there to fill in when you're when you're not uh, doing your job. <laughs> Um, I I love the opening of how it like it literally kind of starts with the um the Warner Brothers and you get that like I I used to hate that when you were younger because it's just like for fuck's sake load you know but now I just love that noise that's just it's one of those sounds that just gets you really nostalgic when you're that um, although we never really had. I, I don't think I had AOL as a kid. I don't think that was really huge in Australia. Uh, mine was Yahoo before I switched to Hotmail, and I still to this day use a Hotmail email address. So, mm-hmm. uh, did you ever have one of the holdouts? Did you? Yeah, I mean, lit, 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 literally, when people like, there's always one of these prompts on like Tinder and Hinge to try and embarrass you. It's like, one thing I want to know about you is what your uh, email address <laughs> was when you were a teenager. And I'm like, it's the same one I still use today. Like, literally, next <laughs> year, I would have had my email address for 20 years and wow. I never changed it. Uh, I mean, I use others for different reasons. Like, so the police can't get me. Um, <laughs> but, or to win awards. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it worked. We won. Shut up. Um, <laughs> anyway, but I, I love, like, the beginning of this movie and then just, even just the charm of, like, this block pixelated version of New York loading in the mouth. It's very, it's a Unix system. I know this. <laughs> like... I want Lex to be at the beginning of this movie. It's an interactive CD-ROM. <laughs> oh, God, that's a quote that needs to be said more. Um, <laughs> but it's just like, again, this movie is just like, I mean, I lived in this part of New York and it just it captures it so well because this is what it's like. It just it feels like this, just the the way it's shot and the houses and just the vibe of it. It's so well done. Um, but it's just, I think like this song just sets you up for just, it's just, charming i think even if we can pick apart the the flaws of these characters as you said and all this kind of stuff it's like it it covers it in a way where you just don't care it's it's sort of like day after tomorrow right like we 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 love that movie and we spent so long picking out all the things that but like it's just, oh, i just love this movie though it's so good and uh, i mean batman and robin is a shit film but it's fun like it's just these things i'm not saying this is a shit movie but like just things that you can pave over the craps because it's just charming it's edited well and just the the fact that you know again she's literally waiting for him to get out of the house to sneak online to get into a chat room like you know it's mm-hmm. not good, um, but um uh, it's just it's just done so well, um I love Parker Posey there's just something about like I love Greg Kitty, don't get me wrong but she's she's just so just like I don't know there's just something about her that's just kind of fun like later mm-hmm. on my Tic Tacs I left them behind <laughs> what like she's just. That endearing type of, like, annoying. Which I do question, like, Tom Hanks is a very wealthy man, right? Because of, um, of, of his... He charming- has a boat. He has a boat. Exactly. It's a boat, Colin said. Not about A boat. About. But, like, oh, look at the love that she shows you, Colin. Oh. Must I think be nice. she's
1: mocking me. That's not... <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you take notes during You've Got Mail. Um... <laughs> But, like, later on when he, like, breaks up with her, why does he move on the boat? Why does Parker Posley get this house? Like, I mean, how long have they been together yeah, for? Yeah, like, I,
1: I, I never thought about that until I watched it this time, but I wonder that. I'm like, so, if they get together, I'm guessing she makes a lot of money as well, but do you see Tom Hanks as the type of guy who's like, oh, let's move in together. No. I'll sublet my place and I'll move into your place. No.
0: <laughs> I, I think the thing, too, that, like, it, it, you see in these movies when, like, you've got these, like, doormen or kind of, like, people with the hats on or you know, things like that. Like I would walk through these streets, like Riverside Drive, real street, like you see West End, like all these are genuine, like this is all like accurate. Um, And you would see these like canopies. And I would always like be in awe when you'd walk past these places and you'd like kind of look through the doors and you've got these elaborate, ornate sort of lobbies and you'd have the people still. I mean, that was a year ago, 2022, dressed in the little hats and little suits. So like, this is a real New York thing. People have like a a lobby person it's, who gets in the elevator and like I would see like you'd walk past it and you'd see like on a Saturday night, like obviously like the mum and dad and the child had gone to a Broadway show or something. They're all dressed up and the driver dropped them off and you'd see like the person come out and open the door and carry their bags. Like it's just, this is a thing. Like this is how these people, well, hello, Remy slash Casey. Remy. Are you still sad? No, I don't want to swear. Dizzy, go see Dizzy then. Okay? Yeah, Dizzy. We like
1: Dizzy. <laughs> but anyway. I, I was just going to say, this This looks like the same area as as good as it gets, so Like as good as it gets filmed in as well. It, it kind of has like this old school look to it. Like it feels like something out of, you know, decades past.
0: But this is what it's like. And like even like when you see them crossing paths, they cross paths that kind of like metal sort of like uh, intersection, like where the, the paths mm-hmm. connect and like, like legitimately go to New York, go to the Upper West Side. This is exactly how it is.
1: And it is just- <laughs> so- I was just going to pause for a second. Every time you say the Upper West Side, uh, it reminds me, you, I don't think you've seen these movies a long time, but Ghostbusters 2, Peter McNichols' character in that has like the heaviest, I don't know if it's supposed to be Austrian accent or something like that, like very crazy European accent. And somebody just asked him at one point, where are you from? He goes, the Upper West Side. <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't think there's anything wrong with been that. been
0: a long time since I've seen it. The one that reminds me, is I don't know if you'd get this one, whenever you say Riverside, And because I I would go to Riverside Park, so the bit where they meet at the end, I'd go to that park all the time. The boat, I would go there all that time. Beautiful little area. It's sort of on the other side where Central Park is. But um, there's like a dance song where it's like, all they say in the song is like this beat. It's kind of like, you know, drum and bass. And then all of a sudden it just goes, Riverside, motherfucker. <laughs> Every time I, I think that, that was also by Harry Nilsson. <laughs> <It was. laughs> Randy Newman. Um, <laughs> Riverside, motherfucker. I can't do a Randy Newman. Um, I love LA. Whatever. But um, yeah, just all of this is great set up. Did you read the fun story about Dave Chappelle, about why he did this movie? No. So apparently the famous story is Dave Chappelle was offered the role of Bubba in Forrest Gump, but he turned it down because he read the script and thought the movie would bomb. He's like, no, this is shit. Like this is not going to do well. So then he basically was like, I fucking regret that as one of the biggest things I've ever (laughs) regretted in my life. So then apparently Tom Hanks heard about this and was like, well, hey, like I'm doing another movie. Do you want to be in it? And this time Dave Chappelle was like, I am never turning down a Tom Hanks movie ever again. And he jumped at the chance to do this film. So apparently this is just because he didn't do Bubba in Forrest Gump that Dave Chappelle did this movie.
1: I'm looking at Dave Chappelle's filmography uh, now. He would go on to very big things, but professor. in 19, 1994, he had no business turning anything down. He was doing nothing.
0: <laughs> he was, uh, yeah, he was not Natty Professor. It's funny. I actually, and you love this. I actually watched, um, I've been on my list for a while to watch. I finally watched Madonna's most recent concert film, and um, randomly in the front row, Dave Chappelle's at her concert. <laughs> so she like goes into the crowd and like talks to So her and Dave Chappelle are good friends. Uh, and he like gushing for like about 10 minutes about how much he loves her. and was like telling this story about, I was on Saturday night live one time and you were there hanging out with, um, with Tupac.
1: Um, so he also turned down doing that duet that she gave to Britney Spears. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm glad he did. That's an iconic banger. Don't you knock me against the music? Um, (laughs) But yeah, I love all this kind of setup. I love uh, what's her face here—the the young, the uh, the one who's talking about having cyber sex because she's like, "Oh, don't ever do it because they treat you the same." The Miss congeniality, Miss New Jersey. Um, yeah, I, I like her. Um, but I, I love this Dolores woman or whatever her name is. I I tried having cyber sex once, but I kept getting a busy signal. <laughs> <laughs> the old people in this film are great. <laughs> yeah, they're so good. And a good old uh, Steve Zahn here. Here he is reiko oh. alzheimer's boyfriend um uh, i like him he's me so the internet just another way to get
1: rejected by women <laughs> so so steve's on um at this point this was probably one of the many tom hanks favors along with dave chappelle uh and everybody else we're talking about these movies where it's like oh yeah tom hanks just did him a favorite because the two years prior to this tom hanks made his directorial debut with that thing you do which has made my top 50 favorite movies of no, all time Sam. It's amazing, like it is so good. But uh, Steve Zahn plays one of the band moves, this movie about you know a band, like in the '60s. He plays the guitar player in the band, Lenny, uh, and Lenny. Tom Hanks basically gave him his first break. So I have to imagine, like you, you basically go from that thing you do, who's doing nothing, and then this same year he's also in Out of Sight with George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. Like he, he's done so many things since then. He's he's amazing, but uh, yeah, this this is. Very early in his career, right after that thing you do, it must have been Tom Hanks saying, I got the guy for you to play George.
0: Oh, he was in Riding with Cars with Boys with uh, Drew Another one of
1: Jamie's favorite movies that I just don't get. That's one of those movies. It's
0: kind of like How to Make an American Quilt and The Divine Sisters. Mm -hmm. You you just watch it and you just think Ultimate Chick Flick. But he's a nitpick about that. that. That movie poster always annoyed me. It's just Drew Barrymore standing there going, like, it is the <laughs> shittest poster. Like, it's just literally, true. Yeah. stand there and put your arms like, on your hips and smile. Like, should it be it a is, picture of her in a car with a boy?
1: It's like when, when you look at, like, really old VHSs from, like, the 80s where they, maybe they didn't have enough ink to print the actual movie <laughs> posters, so they put a still from the movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It's just
0: always, it's always annoyed me. Um, but I like Steve Zahn. Good for him for being Steve Zahn. But I uh, like another one that was always shown in the Channel 9 trailer was the um the bit was like, oh, you could be chatting to anyone. It could be the person, next person who walks in the store and they kind of you that bit where she yeah. jumps up from the counter and you hear the ding ling ling. Yeah. Um but I just I mean I think they set up this so well. Like hey, you said they've got their like little posse of friends, like you kind of got them just chatting in the store and then you cut to like Tom Hanks in the the high rise building overlooking New York and you've got the models of stuff. And yeah, this is kind of like the bit where he is a bit like, Oh, you know, poo, poo, poo. (laughs) Like we're taking them down. But again, this is what business people are like. Like this is what they do. And like, okay, that might be a bit dickish, but like, as you say, like everyone always talks about like, Oh, the big company that takes over the little store. And like at the end of the day, we are all cheapskates. We are all Mm -hmm. most of us middle income people that have to survive. And in today's cost crisis that we're living in, like, let's be honest, we'd all love to support the mum and pop bookstore that sells like these little things. I go into bookstores and I pick up a book and I'm like, Oh, I like this book $50. And I go online, go to Amazon, it's 20 bucks. I'm sorry, yeah. $50 bookstore. That's I could buy two of that book and still have 10 bucks left over. So at the end of the day, I get it. You're a small business. You've got to have higher overhead. I get the principles of business, but y- you know, like, Even people who complain, oh, they're taking over, are still buying that $20 book over that $50 book. That's how we work. That's how we roll. We're not all Dolores in this movie fucking the king of Spain. So, (laughs) and even then, like, I'm sorry, if I was rich, I still feel I would buy cheap. Like, I mean, I don't know. I'm frugal. That's how you stay rich. Exactly. Like, oh, I make a million dollars, I'm going to buy a million dollar house. I'm going to buy an $800,000 house, and I've still got 200 grand left over. So, but I love like this conversation between like the dad and the grandpa when. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm getting married again. And just like, oh, well, tell us about this one. <laughs> and then I love the kind of th- when like she's like, oh, she's a interior designer for like Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas. And they put this like thing on the counter. and It's like, oh, what is this, uh, you know, ceramic? And he's just kind of like plastic and it moves. Yeah. It does remind me of, um, again, I keep, this is another one we have to do next year. We need to write these down. Maid of Honor, because it's um, Patrick Dempsey's, I think it's Patrick Dempsey's dad, or is it the uh, the woman's dad? I think it's Patrick Dempsey's dad. The joke in that is that he's getting married all the time, and by the end of the film, he's had like his 11th wife. Uh, and fun fact, one of his wives in that movie is played by Kelly Carlson, Kimber from Nip Tuck, and that is the only thing I've ever seen her outside of Nip Tuck in, by the way, so I'm sure that means nothing to you, but anyway. Um, have you seen Maid of Honor? It is a great movie, even though no. they're horrible people. Uh, so, we should, have, you'd like Maid of Honor. Uh, it's the movie that made me actually like Patrick Dempsey and not hate him because he was right. in Grey's Anatomy. So,
1: I, I we, we, we might have even discussed this last week or the week before. We're like, are you getting more and more sold on the idea about doing another one of these next year? 100%. I love these. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's so Because we've not- already got like, Addicted to Love, oh. and uh, now no, you're talking about Maid of Honor. Like there, there are so Bridget many Jones movies we can Darring. cover.
0: When I read that, I need to find that top fifty list because, like, seriously, you read that list and it's fucking great. And like, even some of the more modern ones that you kind of it clicks that they are romantic comedies. Like I know we kind of talked about that in the first week that it's not really a thing anymore. The romantic comedy, at least, not mm-hmm. how we're used to. But like, I mean, yeah, I did a review of the Big Sick, and I thought it was a tad overrated, but it was still a good film. Uh, and there was, like, the other one on there that we didn't even bring up, which I don't know if you've seen Crazy Rich Asians, which, I mean, that's a romantic comedy. Yeah. that was, And we could almost do, like, the bad romantic. Because, like, obviously Love actually set that trend of doing things like Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve, oh. which were renowned to be shit. Um, mm-hmm. But then, like, there were other ones on there that we didn't even think about, which are sort of those modern romantic comedies. We could do The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Knocked Up. Um, Mm. uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall is a great film. They're kind of more darker sort of, you you know, that, but you could even do American pie. Like, I mean, it's technically a Mm -hmm. romantic comedy. So yeah, like absolutely. I'm down for this every single year. It's a great month. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, Love it. Love it. I I love the back and forth. Like one thing I'll say again, this movie captures very realistic is anybody who has been online and gotten to know a person be it a boy, a girl, whatever it is, whatever's your poison, be it for romantic or friendship. Like there is that excitement when you meet someone and that you kind of like, it's someone new and fresh and you kind of click with someone, no pun intended. So I think they really capture this kind of back and forth when they're just bantering with each other and they're just like, oh, Starbucks is great for people who can like make decisions but then can't. And like, I never know where that flower goes. And oh, Pride Mm -hmm. and Prejudice, I've read it 300 times. Like I've been in this, like you just have this, it's Fun And then kind of you do click on things where it's kind of like, oh, I've never noticed that before and all this kind of stuff. So um, it's just fun. I love the way they kind of do this. I love the Greg Kinnear thing with typewriters. I always have a weird thing whenever I see a typewriter. I'm like, I want to get one. Like, I'm definitely Greg Kinnear because they are fun. Did you ever have a typewriter? We had one when I was a kid. Yeah. I'm just, I'm like, cause I'm, I'm still a notebook person. I'm still, as in the physical things, not the movie that can get fucked. But like when I go <laughs> into like stationery stores, I love Stationery and things like that, and people are like, "Why do you still have a diary? Ben, just use your phone." I'm like, "I like writing in a book. Like it's fun. Like mm-hmm. it's great." So anyway, um, and I was like Greg Kinnear and Meg Ryan, great chemistry. That that that, that could, yeah, that could work. But um, all this lead up into sort of their meeting in the store. The kids are great, love them, and but yeah, the the, the back and forth, the chemistry between them is great, and. I'm surprised you didn't pick out the one thing in this thing that I'm sure you're not mocking me for. Do I need to hold this up to the camera for our listeners who can't find it? Hankies? Those panties? Yes, I oh, just, hanky? Yes. Oh, Hanky. You know? <laughs> so when, like, she sneezes and she gives a hanky and she's like, well, what uh, is that? It's like a Kleenex that you ears. I'm questioning the fact that Meg Ryan is handing her used hanky to the child. That's a bit disgusting. Like, if, <laughs> if I was in a store and some stranger offered me their used hanky, I would say politely no. But good for Meg Ryan for selling yeah, the, we... the things for hankies. Yeah. But
1: you see, okay, so I think it was the Double 7 episode, not Nas Network One, where we had Noah and I basically going off on Ben because he uses a hanky. But the difference is Ben's hankies are not like you buy a hanky. His are like washcloths or panties, whatever that one is. It's a that hanky. literally looks like panties to me. Is it a hank- you really Mr. need hanky? to see what um, Jamie wears <laughs> if you think that's what panties are. <laughs> well, no, it's all bundled and tied up. It looks like what does Jamie do, do her underwear? <laughs> It looks like a dish towel or whatever that you hang on the the handle of the stove. (laughs) But it's it's
0: like, it's endearing. I think it's cute. And like, you're right. Like there are just some people who just have chemistry, right? And it's, this is where people are smart that they cast them in it and that they're also willing to work off each other. And I think, like, I, I think what really works well in this as well is that having just watched Sleepless in Seattle and joking this is a sequel, you straight away know they're different characters, right? Like I've not seen yeah. Runaway Bride. I don't know how that would work. And I've not seen the second Kate Winslet, Leonardo DiCaprio film, but it works in the Drew Barrymore, Adam Sandler films, you know, like, you mm-hmm. know, that. and like, that's the beauty of it. I think when you can kind of have these actors who clearly just like each other, get along well with each other. And I, I don't ever remember there being rumors that Tom Hanks and uh, Meg Ryan were together, you know, and like, but that's a great thing. Like, I mean, I mean, Mr. and Mrs. Smith was kind of one of those films that was destroyed by the fact of this is what happened with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we could do that. That's technically a romantic cult. No. Uh, I think uh, action. That's a bit overrated, that film, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, anyway, great chemistry. I love their back and forth. And I love the Tom Hanks bit with Steve Zahn <laughs> when he's, like, going in the book and, and Steve Zahn's like, oh, and they're all, uh, like, hand-illustrating. He's like, is that why it's so expensive? Um, and then at the end when he's like, $70, oh, okay. Uh, the one thing that definitely ages badly in this film is some of the talks about prices. Steve Zahn literally mm-hmm. comes in and they're talking about their rent because when old hot Miss Congeniality.
1: 450.
0: $450. for six rooms rent controlled. That is a yeah. bargain. Like if that's how cheap New York City rent is, I'm there tomorrow. I'm uh, like, that's that's less than I pay a month. Um, and I'm in Sydney, which is almost equally as expensive. Um but it's just it's and but and another fun fact about this scene when he leaves the store and he gets the balloons oh, the, caught in the door and he says "lucky yeah, it wasn't that. the fish." That was ad-libbed. That wasn't in the script, yeah. but uh they liked that so much that they kept it. It's a funny line. Um but also, can I just say Tom Hanks glad he got a haircut. He looks less scruffy in this film and looks a lot more endearing. <laughs> like he doesn't just look lazy with a scruffy hair. And Meg Ryan too. I mean this was
1: right after saving private Ryan. So I don't think he had a choice. Uh, I
0: I, it's, and again, it's, it's, it's one of these things that going back to your point about being relatable people, and this is no disrespect to the looks of Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, but again, they're never like for Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. Yeah. Like it's, it's Richard Gere and Julia Roberts whoa like, hello next week, Notting Hill, Hugh Grant, Julia Roberts whoa
1: whereas like, they're just, <laughs> Oh, that's sound effect. What just, is it good for? Get that on yourself. Yeah, get that on your soundboard anytime. Oh.
0: <laughs> uh, just rush out. What is it good for? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Sing it again now. Um, but like, oh, you all—they're just so relatable, charming. Like their personalities yeah. make them more attractive. Which, to me, hi, single people, if you're listening, I'm just going to say, ladies, I'm old now. I might experiment. Who knows? Maybe I need to be. be- Get with men. Maybe that will help me out in life. But like, personality makes you more attractive. You could be Natalie Portman, but Natalie Portman could be a vacuous hole of nothingness. And which she not. is. She's not. Sorry. She's not. <laughs> she's an amazing woman. Get a bit preachy sometimes. But outside of that, I love her. <laughs> Leave her alone. Um, oh, is she coming back to Ahsoka? Oh, did that not get you a bit excited when we saw the clone wars and I'm thinking, oh, <gasps> Is Padme yeah, yeah, yeah. going to show up. Come on, you would lose your well, shit if you Padme know what? showed up. You, I know if there is this if
1: there is a, if there's a season two because here's the thing. She said she Ahsoka, wants to do it again now, doesn't she? But Ahsoka during the Clone Wars animated series, she was primarily paired up with Anakin. Bo Katan, you know Katie Sackhoff's character, oh, also paired up with her quite another a bit. Woman. Mm. And then Padme, there were quite a few Padme and Ahsoka episodes. So yeah, it. it's I mean, a possibility. The
0: movie, the movie, I remember her being in it, but like I'm mm. just saying right now, I know you dislike Natalie Portman. But if next week on Obuka, oh, Padme turned around and there she was, you would lose your shit.
1: Yeah. And to be honest, like everybody talks about getting Samuel Jackson back. To me, Samuel Jackson, I'm okay. Leave it where it is. You it's... bring back Padme. Yeah, I'm more excited she, for that. She
0: is the one that I think, like, no, it never gets talked about. Cause, like, we all deep down knew Liam Neeson was gonna show up and Obi-Wan, like, what was it great? Yeah. You know, we knew Hayden Christensen and all that sort of stuff. But we remember Rise of Skywalker, the hope of that movie was that all these people were gonna show up and fuck you, Disney. But, like, the fact <laughs> that, like, this is happening. And yeah, it's a bit fam. I'm getting sidetracked. The point is, if Padme showed up, everyone's going to be a happy person. I love all this stuff. It's great. Um, Let's keep talking about the movie.
1: Uh, All right. So opening day of Fox Books, F-O-X. And you basically have the back and forth here where... Dave Chappelle and Tom Hanks are talking about, oh yeah, business is crazy. Apparently they don't hate us. No protest, nothing. How's the children's section doing? Oh, a little bit slower, but you know, school's still in. And then you cut to, uh, Meg Ryan and, uh, you, you, well, we also had the, the, the grandpa here again saying, Cecilia's store. I think I did once. uh, Meg Ryan's store. Uh, they actually pulling in. I think this is supposed to be, I don't know if it's the same day or if this is all over the week. They're talking about, they did $1,200 less. Uh, mm. so obviously business isn't going as well.
0: I, I think, to jump in there, I think it's 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 a bit longer than that because I think what this does the passage of time is it's it's fall, then you see it's Thanksgiving, then you see it's Christmas, yeah, and then it kind of ends in again. summer, yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's it's kind of done deliberately, so yeah.
1: So, so, yeah, at some point they're doing $1,200 less. Uh, this is where you have the line about, I'm going to have to move to Brooklyn, $450 a month. Uh, and we get the the one author who um, is supposed to promote the book or Meg Ryan saying like, when are you going to come promote your book? Or oh, are you still going to be in business in January? I'm really worried. This, she's she the puts worst the idea person
0: in this movie. She's a traitor. Oh, she
1: is 100%. And, and she's the one who puts the idea in Meg Ryan's head about why don't you get yeah. that that crazy I don't know what she refers to, the nut with the typewriter. Get that nut with the typewriter to, to write an article or like, You mean my boyfriend? <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, we get we get the the party scene here first. Uh and uh so this is where we actually get introduced or Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks find out who each other are. Uh and when she runs into him, he's, he's trying to hide who he is. And uh <laughs> the F-O-X here, where he he's now doing it just to antagonize her. I love this dynamic they have, and I think this is one of the reasons why I think this movie's really because. And people are probably going to jump in and be like, oh, well, why is it different on other genres? It's not. This is what I'm saying. Women are, will complain that like action movies, superhero movies, there's no well-developed female characters. I agree with that. And the reason I agree with that is because I hate watching most rom-coms because the male characters are so unbelievable. And they're mm. playing that they're basically tailor-made to make women horny. You know that, and I, I like Matthew McConaughey, but like that's kind of the problem he he was into during this whole era in his career is that he was playing right, the same guy right, over and over again. right,
0: right, I'll make you horny.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like there's no depth to him. The, 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 when you give us a Tom Hanks or a Mark Ruffalo, where you're like you can relate to this guy, and part of relating to him is the fact that he's not perfect. He's not a nice guy. He's he's taking stabs at her. He's doing the F O X just to get under his skin. You know, it's great. Uh, and, and then he he drops the first line about the Godfather here now that might be my favorite thing about this movie is all the Godfather references because we mentioned Sleep in Seattle you've never seen the Godfather seen you're Meg Ryan but, yeah. but uh, you're not even Greg Kinnear look at this <laughs> you can't even make Greg Aww. Kinnear status
0: I'm not even Greg Kinnear I'm the grandpa he's probably never seen
1: <laughs> I think that I saw the Godfather once upon a time <laughs> <laughs> with Cecilia uh, but uh, he he drops like this Godfather quote and she doesn't get it uh, I'm going to love when that comes up later on. Uh, and then she starts uh, insulting him because he's trying to put her out of business. And I'm not trying to put you out of business. I, you, know, you have that sign that says just around the corner. Like, the entrance is literally around the corner. <laughs> That's not trying to steal your business. Uh, and uh, then we have the point here with the caviar. like he's, he's piling it on his plate. Well, you can't do that. That's a garnish. <laughs> uh, and uh, Greg Kinnear introduces himself here. And, and this is another one of the scenes I just love with Greg Kinnear. Uh, where Tom Hanks is talking about, he's the type of. Oh, you know, Meg Ryan first, where she mentions about uh, uh, the, I bet that you bought those kids, and he's like, I didn't buy those kids. I'm just the type of guy who likes to buy his way in the hearts of children. <laughs> uh, and. Yeah, so when Greg Kinnear comes up here and he finds out who he is, at first he's all pleasant. Oh, hi, how you doing? I'm Frank. The <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, oh, so you're the evil empire who's trying to put all the... How do you sleep at night? And then you- yeah. <laughs> Tom Hanks, Parker Posey I coming in. Her. Oh, it's this wonderful drug called Ultradore. Not That's one, she's second. so
0: good. I love her so much. I want to date that woman, Tom Hanks. Like, uh, come on. And then
1: it, it gets even better... <laughs> She's going, oh, you're that guy with the typewriter in your articles. I love your work. Oh, I'm flattered. That's why I'm Greg Kadeem because if somebody's like, I love the Oz
0: Network, oh, I've got a fan. Talk to me more.
1: next next time Ben's out with a girl and they're basically insulting her and you know insulting her and ridiculing her and you're like you know what I'm gonna stand up for my woman I love the other really really what was your favorite episode and oh, what do you, you like me better than Noah right I've
0: told the story before about when I started dating her who should not be mentioned and she posted it oh, on <laughs> Facebook yeah. that literally somebody commented was like I'm actually quite jealous that you're dating the survivor Oz <laughs> guy and then I met her when we went to Canada one time she was somebody there, she's like, oh, I'm the one who like, listened to your show. And I'm like, fuck off, Mallory, let's talk. What was your favorite? I'm like, somebody <laughs> knows me. Like, this is really cool. So, And then even today, like, on my lovely dating profiles, I'll have just, like, a picture of me, like, with Joanna Griggs on the set of, like, Channel 7 to humbly mm-hmm. brag. And, like, literally I will get some people who will be like, I've seen you on something. What show do you host? And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> keep going. I totally host. And somebody the other day was like, oh, so you're an Olympian. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i didn't lie well, i mean they asked i mean but i did lie whatever
1: yeah, i did lie yes i am an Olympian. i am Name's horton mac horton <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you know who penny alexiak is nope i'm
1: penny alexiak <laughs> uh but anyways yeah this this scene is hilarious uh and then even after the party's over where uh, Tom Hanks and Parker Posey are back at home. <laughs> and, uh, he just sort of mentions that she's saying like, "Oh, she would make a great editor for a book." First time that, that gets mentioned, and then he's saying, "What do you think caviar is a garnish?" And she's like, snoring in five seconds." Like that—that is a hundred percent Jamie. It's, it's I just snoring in a second. But
0: I love that way. Like she's like cuddling up to him. He's like, "Oh, Frank, he's so great. He's so <laughs> down to earth." And he's just like gets up. He's like, "What are you doing?" It's like, "Oh, I'm just I'm just not tired. I'm not tired." And she's like, "Oh." <laughs>
1: That is a hundred percent, Jamie. Like she can fall asleep anywhere. She has like a cue. If she pulls like whatever shirt she's wearing up over her face like this, almost like if somebody farted, you're covering it. The second she does that, that means she's tired and she'll probably be out in a second. Um, she she will literally sleep anywhere. On our honeymoon, the fire alarm went oh, off that's in a the building stop. at 3 a.m. <laughs> On our honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, the fire alarm went off, and we're talking one of those giant bells that mm. are right above the bed. Like, and she slept i was like shaking her for a minute i was thinking I'm like i have to shake her for a pulse <laughs> she is not waking it's a up smoking it's getting to a quick. <laughs> uh jamie and i also recently saw my big fat produced by tom hanks my big fat greek wedding three that uh, out already? and yeah oh. it, yeah it came out like two weeks ago is but good? uh yeah the, i actually liked it i liked it a lot better than the second uh it it might as well have been called my big fat greek vacation but it's still really solid uh not nearly as good as the first but still good but um yeah, there's a running joke in that movie about the brother character that he literally just turns his head and he falls asleep. And yeah, this evening, I hate people like this because I'm the exact opposite. Uh, I could be so tired. Like last night, I was like so unbelievably tired that I couldn't keep my eyes open. And I kept trying to sleep, but then I was uncomfortable. So I went downstairs to the couch. And I'm oh. trying to just turn something on the TV. Colin oh, had a fight <laughs> with Jamie last night. I was uncomfortable. <laughs> But, but I kept, uh, I kept trying to put something on the TV. I'm like, I'm just going to allow myself to nod off watching something. Every 60 seconds I'm nodding off. And yet I can't stay asleep. And after like an hour and a half of this, I finally fall asleep. And then Casper starts screaming in his room. So I'm like, Jamie's upstairs. She'll get it. And I'm like waiting and I'm waiting and he's still screaming and he's still screaming. And eventually I come up there and Jamie's still (laughs) right across the hall from the kid who was like screaming bloody murder and she's sleeping. I hate people like this. I hate them. I'm like halfway
0: Um, in between. I can sleep through anything, but I also can be the same as you. Like it takes me a while to get to sleep. But like I I slept through when I was a kid. We had a Motorbike crashed into our house. I slept through that. We had a possum fall in our <laughs> chimney, and like destroy our entire house. I woke up like, oh shit, what's happened here? And it's like, ah, oh, you didn't wake up last night. A possum destroyed a house. I'm like, fuck, okay. So yeah, I'm kind of the. I can sleep through things, but also it takes me a while.
1: Oh, the second that I hear one raindrop hit the window, I'm like up for good. I'm like, what was that? <laughs> oh, on, three mes- hours later, I'm, I'm trying gonna to message back you.
0: Put your phone on silent at night. I'm just like, wait, I wakey, do actually. I,
1: and you know what? I do because we have group chats where. You, you and Noah, you and Jared are on other sides of the world. And I'm like, I had the ringer on at one point and like, these notifications keep keeping me up. So I put it on silent. Well, the difference uh, is
0: only one of the other people replies, Jared still waiting for him to tell me what he wants to do with Jerry. And Hey, we can watch the
1: Pan Ams red. K. Sometimes I feel like that with, with you and Noah too, because you and Noah will be up at the same time. And I'll see like there's 72 messages. And I'm like, I don't have time to read these. <laughs> I'm just going to swipe off the screen. Um, Anyway. So, uh, yeah she falls asleep right away um also i wanted to quickly mention parker posey i, I now it's funny that i forgot that she's in movies i've watched a million times but i always associate her now with the tv show lost in space which uh maybe we can get parker posey on because uh she was directed multiple times by our good gustav friend leslie Graves,
0: hope toby stevens there we go
1: gustav yeah we could get imagine we have talked to leslie hope who has had yeah. both parker posey and uh oh who, who is it there's um so she plays dr smith she plays gary oldman's character <laughs> in the tv series but uh, uh gustav graves and then there's some the, the woman on it she was on woman. house of cards the one who plays Robin the Mon- i'll have to look it up but uh no uh, one of the other house of cards people um but anyways yeah so I, I always remember from lost in space but she was in like those um christopher Guest, like eugene levy and michael mckee movies like uh, a mighty wind best in show if you ever saw those those mockumentaries no. Oh, brilliant! A Mighty Wind, especially—it's like folk music. It's hilarious. Oh God,
0: I'm not watching uh,
1: that I hate folk music, but like, I love this movie. Like, I—I I own multiple copies of A Mighty Wind, uh, wow. and that's like my mom's music. Where I'm like, I can't stand this. But the movie's like—it's like a parody of folk music yeah, in a way. It's that's hilarious. Why, that's why
0: I've talked about why Juno is just like murder to my ears because that soundtrack. Oh my God, it's and so here's the bad.
1: weird thing. Any type of folk music, I will tune out in a second. But, like, I know the A Mighty Wind soundtrack by heart. Because, again, part of it is they're kind of making it. The, the songs are funny. It's like it's like jokes of it. But uh, also, uh, Michael McKeon got nominated for an Oscar for writing the the song for A Mighty Wind. Uh, so you can appreciate Michael McKeon, somebody from Better Call Saul's Oscar nomination. And is he the only one from Better Call Saul to be Oscar nominated? It's not even for acting?
0: I mean, technically, Bryan Cranston was in Better Call Saul. so.
1: Um... Yeah, yeah. Guest star, <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. Uh, I'm still waiting for, uh, those, the, the new Bob Odenkirk show to debut. Cause it was supposed to be this
0: year. I thought was that that one he's like a grumpy person or something like that. And they keep advertising it. Yeah. I, I thought it did debut. No,
1: no. I mean, I haven't seen anything from it yet. I, I cut my cable though. So who knows? Oh, um, <laughs> cut my cable. All right. I cut, I personally cut it. Yes. <laughs> Snips snip. Cable guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, now we have them uh, emailing back and forth again. This is where uh, Tom Hanks is talking about being the worst version of himself. And she's talking about her mind always goes blank and she never knows what to say in a stressful situation. He suggests meeting up, which she just closed her laptop and it's never addressed again in the movie. Like I want to see the other emails. She's like, By the way, did you read my previous message? And she's like, so anyways, uh, I was walking down that bakery you were talking about the other day. I oh, is that the one was like, huh? we
0: should meet? And he doesn't address it. He
1: says, yeah. yeah, it never gets addressed until like six months later or whatever when she brings it up. Yeah. Now that would piss me off. Like, that is true. Like, it's kind of like she
0: does just leave it on it. Like, this is the original kind of just ghosting, ignoring. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, every uh, message he sends, hey, so remember I said we should meet? Did you see the flower? Yeah. Uh.
1: <laughs> Uh, so we get the the next. This is uh, the flip side of that opening montage where they keep running to each other or avoiding each other in public. Uh, and uh, it ends, I like this is really right before Thanksgiving, uh, the supermarket. Now, I have a bit of an issue here with the hypocrite Meg Ryan, where she's all about the big box stores, putting the small business out of the business. Why is she shopping at Costco right now? Like this it's, lineup is ninety Costco. people long.
0: It's Zaybars. I know it's not
1: Costco, but it is like the size of Costco. This is like big super supermarket. Uh, I mean, Zaybar's
0: is not really. It's kind of just like a.
1: It's a chain. Oh, but you've it's, been there.
0: It's yeah. It is a real store. It's. I mean, okay. It's, it's, the it's, Fox,
1: it's, it's a Fox. It's, Books, it's at a Fox Book.
0: It's a chain, but it's not Walmart. Like it's sort of. It's in the middle between. It's kind of like. We in Australia we we're, we're dominated by two big grocery stores. And then you've kind of got your independent groceries, which are like shop independent. So you go to like these little ones called IGA. So I'd say Zaybars. Oh, yeah. We had IGAs back in the yeah. day. Zabars I mean it's trendy. Zabars, you see people walking around with their like tote Zabars bags. It's a bit like upmarkety trendy chain. So yeah. But
1: like like Fox Books, right? Mm. Fox Books is not Barnes and Noble, you know, it's it's a chain. It's still a family-run business, so I can't imagine this supermarket being that different from Fox Books. Eh, I
0: see where you're going, Colin, but I respectfully disagree with Zaybars,
1: <laughs> Mr. Upper West Side Snob here. Yeah, exactly. Is like, no, 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 no. Good people shop there, <laughs> and good people work there, especially in the cash-only line, Rose. Uh, now, Rose is one of the best, like, minor characters in this movie. Uh, all the trivia I kept reading on this movie kept talking about this actress, Sarah Ramirez. I'm like, I've never heard of this one, but, but she's apparently very big on Grey's Anatomy. Oh, uh, fuck. Sorry, but yes. But, well, that's two yeah. mentions
0: of that show now. We've exceeded our yearly <laughs> quota. Stop it.
1: But but I mean, she's amazing here. Like, Meg Ryan gets to the front of the line. She already knows Thomas Hanks is there. She's trying to avoid seeing him. And she's like, uh, man, this is a cash-only line. And then every, I love everybody else. Like, <laughs> she doesn't have any cash. No, she has a credit card in the cash. What's wrong with you? Don't you know we're waiting here? Uh, and uh, Tom Hanks comes up to smooth it over, and this is it, him at his best here. Uh, where he's like, Hello, what's your name? Rose. Oh, hello, Rose. And then this other guy, and I'm Henry. <laughs> That's happy my- Thanksgiving, Henry.
0: <laughs> he's like my second favorite character in this movie because I just
1: love him. And he's Henry. Like, and I'm Henry. It's like, Okay, <laughs> Good for you, Henry. happy holidays. <laughs> and then he was Rose here. He's like, Happy Thanksgiving, Rose. Why don't you say happy Thanksgiving back? Happy Thanksgiving back. <laughs> <laughs> uh knock knock who's there orange orange who? orange you give it give us a break and swipe this card for her and then this lady gets all smiley and everything and then he moves on and then as soon as he moves on Megan's like i'm very sorry about this she's gives like the dirtiest look <laughs> this is one of the best well, scenes of the whole back. movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh i just love even all the background characters. she has no cash it's so obnoxious uh the, now we have the thanksgiving um Back and forth. So, Tom Hanks, you got the the little girl. Oh, now the little girl's singing. <laughs> the yeah, Simpsons this is pretty obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow. Oh, this is horrible. Uh, I always do remember uh, the... I, I don't think it's that episode. There's the episode where Mo is like, oh, now the kid's singing. <laughs> He's all, but it's the one where um, Milhouse's parents break up. Another one of the best episodes where uh, as they're fighting, Marge is like, Lisa, come sing us a song. She goes, Yeah, are a Randolph. <laughs> 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 just randomly singing show tunes. Uh, but uh, here's where you have uh, Tom Hanks's mother-in-law, or mother-in-law, mother, stepmother, stepmother. That's right. Uh, putting her hand on his leg, and he's just all right, and getting up here. Uh, and of course, the nanny sitting next to her. So if he hadn't rejected her, she might not have run off with the nanny. Um, she uh-huh. still ended her marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then on the flip side, you have the sing-along at uh, Meg Ryan's Thanksgiving with all of her co-workers and Rico Ailsworth, uh, hey, Michelle Dessler here. Tony is not happy that she's with Steve Zahn right now. <laughs> I mean... It's so funny because you, you mentioned that she was in this movie, and so I looked up before I started watching, okay, who does she play? And I'm like, Thanksgiving guests. All right, it's going to be either... Somebody at Tom Hanks' Thanksgiving or Meg yep. Rides, and I'm looking, I'm looking, you literally only see the side of her face. Like, I don't even think you could tell it's her. Uh, There's no head-on
0: look and at her. I'm pretty certain, and this just goes to show that we don't remember, like, we are not going to remember we recorded this episode tomorrow, but I'm pretty sure that <laughs> back when we first had Reiko Ellsworth mentioned on 24 coverage that we said she was in this film. Um, So we were like, oh my gosh, she's in You've Got Mail. But uh, yeah, like, literally she like I was doing exactly the same. I'm like, oh, she's something Thanksgiving guest. So I thought she was maybe in the caviar garnish thing. Um mm-hmm. but then but then as soon as you kind of just see her just literally like the side of her, with her curly hair. I'm like, there she is. There's yeah. Michelle.
1: You can almost hear her singing in the background. Um but th- this is another one of my favorite Greg Kinnear moments where Tone-deaf Greg Kinnear is the horn, the horn sounds, <laughs> is, the horn is for Lord. Is this,
0: like, do you do, the, like, in Canada, like, this is one of these American movie TV things that you see in certain bits oh. that, like, it's a Thanksgiving, Christmas thing, let's get around the piano and sing. Like, obviously, this is probably more of an older tradition that some people still do, but, like, I have never in my life known a family in this country to, hey, it's Thanksgiving, let's all get around and sing. Like, I, I don't know if this yeah, is an I, American thing or...
1: I... I don't know if it happened but if it hit, if it did i probably blocked it out or ran from the room cuz i have this thing against random singalongs to me the most obnoxious thing anybody can do is let's say you're at a barbecue or at you know, dinner at somebody's house or something like that and somebody just randomly pulls out a guitar and starts playing like i'm like put the guitar away you pretentious douchebag i, I
0: experienced i yeah i mean i'm with you but i did actually experience that with t-bird when i was uh stayed with t-bird one time oh yeah, you mentioned that yeah i'm sorry sudden,
1: t-bird can do it <laughs> glenn
0: her husband and her son just got guitars out and they started singing on the deck and then she's got a freaking tambourine and then land 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 i'm just sitting there going hey, this is kind of weird but i'm on <laughs> yeah. to it. um
1: I, you have certain people can get away with it t Bird. Her husband you can do anything you want you, you haven't heard it
0: yet because i only recorded it the other day but i did actually uh get to sing a duet with an olympian the other day a bit it's saying a bit of we are oh. the world by michael jackson Wait, it wasn't
1: a meatloaf song no it was missed we- opportunity
0: it was we are the world by michael jackson so um <laughs> i've sung a duet i've sung michael jackson with an olympian so there you go <laughs> uh
1: so after this uh we have meg ryan uh walking down the street and she sees that same author who was so outraged that she was gonna be out of that's business that's not meg ryan it's a grandma as- oh Oh, the grand that's right uh, well birdie yes the the late the the mrs spain uh (laughs) (laughs) general cyber sex uh so she sees the author is going to be at fox books instead of uh, her bookstore uh and this is where meg ryan is emailing asking for help or whatever and uh tom hanks just instantly pops up and instant messages her uh, and and you have that other moment which is in all the ads where as soon as the instant message comes up, you have Tom Hanks kind of like, Hi there, right? Like, cute. Waving at his screen. Yeah. Uh and this is the Godfather reference. So uh my advice to you is go to the mattress. She's like, What does that mean? He goes, It's from the Godfather. And she's like, What is it with men and the godfather? Uh now the way Tom Hanks does this too, like he just starts dropping all these um like God, little Godfather clothes one people, Oh, Michael. And then, and then he's like, he's doing a Marlon Brando impression and all that. And Monday even when he's Tuesday saying here, he's
0: Thursday like, Wednesday. yeah,
1: that's like in the first Godfather movie, Al Pacino's first wife is Italian. And she, uh, is basically talking about, Oh, I know English Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. She's mixing them up, but she's saying all the dates, uh, the whole, uh, leave the gun, take it to cannoli. Now. I don't know. I, I, I think I'd probably seen the Godfather at this point. Cause my mom, I, I, mentioned it many times here when we go to the video store and just rent whatever we wanted uh she would basically insist you guys can get a ton of movies just make sure you get some classic movies and she would basically write down I'm gonna make you guys watch this and this and one of the first ones she ever did that for was the Godfather now they didn't she went to pick them up but they didn't have the Godfather one they had the Godfather part two only so she had us watch the Godfather part two for the Godfather part one which is actually not as hard as you think because half of the Godfather part two is a prequel and then the other half is a sequel. Uh, but I, I may not have even seen The Godfather Part 1 at the point I saw this. But like uh, now, uh, when I watch this, I'm always like, oh, I love all this Godfather stuff in here. Uh, especially with Greg Kinnear. So after she you know, closes her laptop and Greg Kinnear comes in, she says, I think I'm going to uh, fight back. I'm going to go to the mattresses. Do you know what that means? Yeah, it's from The Godfather. <laughs> and the fact that even Greg Kinnear does it. That's why, Ben, you, you haven't achieved manhood yet. You're not even a Greg Kinnear level. <laughs> you haven't seen The Godfather. It's
0: it's honestly like, I was talking about this somebody the other day. It's it. I mean, there is this point where I do want to just watch these movies that I should have, but there's you can get, like I've got a scratch travel map, right? You scratch where you've been in the world. But there's mm-hmm. that one where you can get like the movie posters and it's maybe the, I don't know if it's a thousand and one movies before you die or it's like the hundred highest movies on IMDb. Yeah, and you scratch it off. So like. You know, there are certain movies, and I was talking about this, like I I don't think I've ever seen Casablanca or Gone with the Wind, like, you know, movies that I feel I should have seen. Um, And Godfather, Rocky, they're ones that I've I've never seen and I feel like I should have. So, yeah, it's on the list. I'd also like to do what you did and watch every Best Picture winner ever.
1: Yeah. I actually have one of those books. I'm trying to find where it is right now, but uh, it's one of those, like, you know, 501 movies that everybody needs to see Mm. and I basically went through the book as soon as I bought it and I put check marks on all the pages of ones I've seen and when I see a new movie I'll do the same thing.
0: Noah, happy birthday by the way. Isn't he doing like that 1001 (laughs) albums before you die? Yeah. And I just spoiler alert, I looked up that list that he's doing. There's about three Madonna albums on that and of course they're very high (laughs) up on the list.
1: So good luck Noah. Of course, they're very high off on the list. <laughs> well, he's only into like the 800s. He's not like getting
0: there to ages away. Come on. Was
1: this authored by Ben Waterworth? I <laughs> was well, also like top? Ben
0: Waterworth. You, you saw my top 100 songs of all time. So what do you... <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was at least one good one on there. It was Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer. Which is that what your
0: T-shirt is, by the way, these eyes that you're wearing? This
1: is, yeah. Yeah. So this is... Uh, well, it's PG. PG-23 on there. From PG-13? It's, it's multiple meanings. Um, So you've got an eye, and then you got... And O, because his new album is I slash O. But you also have the dark side of the moon and the light side of the moon because he's playing on the whole lunar thing. He's literally released a song from this album. The album isn't even out yet, but nine songs were released as singles. Every single new moon, he released a song. He's an extremely intellectual guy. It it was like listening to a Planet Earth documentary in between songs. Yeah,
0: so intellectual that he looks like a slice of pineapple or a butthole. (laughs) I mean... You know. I oh Moon Moon. Butthole moon. <laughs>
1: uh anyways, where were we here in the movie? Um yeah, the, the the Godfather. We're gonna go to the mattresses. And then even the music that's playing here, it's it's uh it's it's basically like from the Godfather part two. There's a, a hilarious scene where there uh, there's a band playing like an opening party that they have. And somebody's coming and complaining that none of them are Italian. They need to play some Italian music. So he starts like trying to coach them on Italian music. And he starts humming stuff like and it it results in the band going into Pop Goes the Weasel because that's what they think that he was humming. Uh, but this this music is Great almost song. identical like, to the, the Godfather 2. Like, and you have Meg Ryan like, doing the punching and kicking in the uh, background, which is just hilarious. That,
0: that, that That's one thing that has always irked me. I think that's a bit cheesy. Oh, you I don't, don't like that? I, don't, I just, I just I don't like it. That, that always kind of has always irked me, her doing that. I don't know why.
1: Oh, it's hilarious. Uh, so you have uh, a lot of people in the store. You got the media there. You got all these protests going on. Uh, you uh, have... Tom Hanks now watching the news footage and talking about this. Uh this is that line uh where he, he refers to as a pill in the Always movie. On uh the and clips. Yeah, the yeah, exactly. One of the lines that I think everybody kind of knows. Oh, but she's a pill. Uh and I love the part pill. though with uh, she's jag. Well, this time period would have been appropriate. Oh, Alana. Uh, but um Canadian. Um <laughs> correct. <laughs> I know, hang Canadian. On. So, hang
0: on. Do that again. Canadian. Oh, where's the damn thing? I can't find it. There we go.
1: <laughs> Too many... It wasn't a fart effect. Uh...
0: <laughs> Canadian. <Thank you> for... <laughs> Don't start this again.
1: <laughs> uh, But uh, yeah, I love when they were watching the footage and uh, he's about to come on the TV and he goes, oh, here comes a good looking guy. <laughs> and the only clip they used him was, I sell cheap books, so sue me. And he gets all upset because, like, I said all these things. I showed, them. and this is why again he's not a bad guy because he starts describing all the things that he, you know, had done about like, uh, you know, oh, we have like you can read there for hours, and we've got all the selection, and people can be comfortable. They could drop their kids there in the kids section. Uh, now the big book chain here in Canada is called Chapters, and I mean mm. this Fox Books to me looks like Chapters. It's very similar where it looks very inviting. You know, you, you can go there and they have chairs where you could just sit down and like preview, read a book. And the kids section, especially, you know, they got like all these little couches and everything. And uh, they do activities and book readings and everything there. So again, nothing wrong with Fox Books. I like this place. I'd rather shop there than shop around the corner. Um, do you like shop around the corner? or Would you rather Fox Books?
0: I think both have their pros and cons. I mean, I, I like our big chain here is Dimmicks. And, you know, that I still love a good bookstore. Um, but like, I do also like a cute little little one like that like i'll always go into a bookstore and have a bit of a browse so um
1: like yeah it's i will say this uh i reading up on the locations they use i i i can't remember what it, it's not a bookstore that um antique maybe, store, i that think is. it was like an antique store or something mm. yeah they just like the look of it because they said that it looks like very you know warm and 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 home like whereas the the fox books they actually just used a barnes and noble which interesting thing about that is that the Barnes and Noble there is actually out of business now because of Amazon. So yeah. uh, side sidebar here before I finish up uh, this section, uh, this whole story about the big chain, putting small chains out of business. So the, one of the greatest things I've ever seen in business competition was when Blockbuster first opened in Winnipeg, which was probably, uh, uh, see, I'm remembering all the movies that I rented for a very discounted rate, and it was like The Lost World and Men in Black. So it would have been like 97 So when Blockbuster first opened here in Winnipeg, uh, the one location that they opened was, um, I would say, a block away from one of those small video stores, which is, you know, we had another Canadian chain, but primarily you had small corner video stores. And this video store, Video Stop on the corner there, uh, Blockbuster basically launched and they had an ad saying, first seven days, all new releases, 99 cents. And I took advantage of that literally every single day. I'd go and I'd get a 99 cent movie, bring it back the next day, another 99 cent movie. And these are the new releases. So that other store put up an ad saying all movies, 99 cents. And they didn't put like this week only. So then Blockbuster was basically in a bind where they're like this place right around the corner here. And this is a major chain. They're like this place around the corner. It hasn't changed their prices. So weeks and then months passed. And Blockbuster still had that thing up saying 99 cent new releases as the other one didn't budge and still had their 99 cent all movies. And this went on for probably four, five, six months where I, I took so much advantage of uh, getting the 99 cents from both stores, but primarily the Blockbuster. And the funny thing is that in the end, that Blockbuster, Blockbuster still exists in other parts, but that Blockbuster closed down and became mm-hmm. like a nail salon and that other video store might have been the last surviving video store in this city. <laughs> Cause they just they they went to the mattresses. I'm like, yeah, I appreciate that. I, I mean again, I'm no businessman, but like I always think that's a smart I remember going to like a
0: football game many years ago and you go around to all the I just wanted a bottle of Coke and say it was like five bucks. And you go around and every like because it was one of these ones where like they almost had like different stores in the 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 stadium rather than just like it's the one outlet just in different place places because it was a bit more of a regional stadium. Everywhere you went like $5, $5. And there was one that was selling them for $4.50. And I'm like, that, that just, it just takes one. Like you'd lose a bit of money. Yeah. Whatever. I remember we had a um a bur like the our version of Burger King in Australia is called Hungry Jack's for whatever reason. It's the same bloody restaurant, but I think there was a franchisee issue. So for whatever reason, it's called Hungry Jack's here, even though it is still Burger King. And I don't know if they've got the same slogan in that part of the world. I don't think I ever saw it. But the slogan for Hungry Jack's in Australia is the burgers are better at Hungry Jack's. That's their slogan. It's like the I'm loving it or finger licking good. So there was a little like one opened up near where my primary school was on the corner. And then there was already a burger store like directly opposite it. So then they like put up this big sign that just like pointed an arrow to their store. And was like, nah, the burgers are better over here. And I think it works. I'm like, I want to go get a burger from there (laughs) (laughs) because the burgers are better over there. Yeah. Um, but so Uh, am I going over this or are you still going? Well,
1: uh, I'll just, I I just think I'll cover the last scene here with Frank's interview on TV here with, um, uh, now this actress, I've seen her in other things. I was trying to figure out when I was watching this, what I'd seen her in. Well, I, I started watching this movie several days ago and then finished it recently, but I was trying to figure out like, what, what do I know her from? I know her from something else. Who is and then she? by, f- by freak luck, um, we watched, uh, I'm on kick watching the new murders in the building season. So we're watching also a bunch of Steve in Martin. The stuff. Way, I used
0: to walk past that building. every yeah, day. It,
1: it looks yeah. very familiar. Yeah. Uh, now, I got on kick now where I'm watching a bunch of Steve Martin movies. So we watched the father of the bride movies and she is the, the doctor in the father of the bride part two that delivers both babies at the end. Like, uh, you know, I always remember it being a smaller role, but it's like, it's a major in this, it's like a small, tiny role she has, but in father of the bride part two, it's actually a pretty big role. Uh, probably the last half hour of the movie she's on screen constantly in it. But, uh, I love them. Do you ever seen the father of the bride movies?
0: I always get them confused with the Tom Selleck one. Um, oh,
1: three men and a baby. Yeah, I think
0: I've seen the Tom Selleck ones. I don't think I've seen the Steve. They're the same movies, aren't they? Like,
1: um... well, well his <laughs> yeah. Father of the Bride's uh, again based on classic movies. Father of the Bride fits in very well. I think that's one of the reasons why you know uh, it is interesting watching these kind of back to back because it fits in with these movies we've been watching like Pretty Woman, Sleepless in Seattle, like this where it has it's it's a movie that's nineties but it kind of feels like an old school 40s, 50s movie. What was uh, John they, Travolta?
0: They... One. Sorry, I'm just... There was there was all those baby kids, father... Oh,
1: look who's talking was John Cassielli Travolta, yeah. I
0: love those movies. Yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry.
1: But Father the Bride, um, they, they talked about making a third movie for years. And they actually were planning to make it right before the pandemic hit. And that, that basically put on hold. But during the pandemic... The, uh, the writer and director, she actually decided, OK, I'm going to shelve the script for now, but I want to do something pandemic related. So they did. It's called Father of the Bride Part 3-ish. That uh, was like a 25 minute short film, which I only got around to watching the other night after watching the other Father of the Bride movies. And it is like uh, it's it's basically all the actors, obviously, in their own homes on a Zoom call with each other, like one of those pandemic reunion things they did pretty cheesy there's some amusing parts to it but a lot of it was like and aren't we glad that we have masks and hand sanitizer and thank god for all you essential workers like there's moments like that where I'm just groaning and rolling my eyes uh but yeah anyways so th- this lady she's in father of the bride part two uh and his interview here where he's talking about the shopper at the corner I love this uh, The small things Greg Kinnear does where it's like he, he it, it makes it better that he's again not Mr. Pre- he's a very nice guy but he's not Mr. Perfect like when he's he's watching his own interview and he's melding the words of what he's saying in it me yeah that's you (laughs) but even that that quote he has about the vcr and Meg Ryan's like i've heard you say that before yeah but she has (laughs) it so he's getting all excited and the 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 girl the the interviewer here uh where she's getting kind of flirty and she's like she's flirting with you no no that's just a tv thing they're being nice and then even he gets kind of flustered which is we'd love to have you back on anytime and he's like oh oh Thank you. Uh, I mean, thank you. And then even she, the interview is kind of walking. Thank you. <laughs> and even he kind of admits, yeah, yeah. I kind of made an idiot of myself there. Uh, and that is, It's a really fun scene. It's it's important to set up later on. Because again, I think the audience at this point, they kind of already realize that these couples aren't meant for each other. Mm. Uh, but the funny thing is Jamie actually said the same thing. And I remember having the same impression when I watched it the first time. When you see that earlier scene with, them all meeting and parker posey and greg kinnear being like oh i'm a big fan of yours i think immediately when i saw that i assumed oh so they're going to get together again and in mm. the end and then it's going to be tom hanks and meg ryan freeing up but them doing something slightly different i think i like a little bit better now
0: yeah i i always had that memory that like in the scene when they break up that when she's like oh is it that you know parker posey or whatever it is let's you know the character's name but um no but um Yeah, I think kind of, again, like I chime in enough there with opinions of these. I don't know there's a whole lot to add, but I I do like the kind of um, this party that they meet at, like, what even is that party? Like, I don't think it's ever like a book person's party, Um, but
1: it's. (laughs) Come to my book person's party. (laughs) But like. Can we have a podcaster's version of that?
0: Book person's party with Colin and Ben. Um, (laughs) What, like. There, I mean, there are tons of movies where people hate each other, but then they end up together, right? Like it's a, it's a cliche, but yeah. what like The Notebook, they hated each other, didn't they? I can't fucking remember that oh, movie. Yeah. Um, also on, off the set as well. Um, but it's kind <laughs> of just like that trope, right? Of like, oh, they're going to get together, clearly. But um, I do love the bit when you first get Tom Hanks trying to explain to Meg Ryan, the Godfather, and he's doing like, it's like that scene when he wakes up with like the horse's head. Ah, ah, ah! Yeah. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> she's just kind of staring at him and he's just like, anyway, uh, <laughs> that's me. That's how I make myself think it. Oh, you know, that scene from Jurassic Park, it's a Unix system. I know this. Oh,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, can we just like have that on loop? I need that as a sound effect. <laughs> But I do also love it like when um she, like Greg Kinney meets him and she's like holding the knife and Greg Kinney just suddenly hold gets a knife and just like puts yeah. <laughs> the knife down. Um but yeah, it's just I mean it's again, it's charming. It's that it's that chemistry. But I love it like when you see them bumping into each other all the time and they're all hiding from each other and everything. The supermarket seat is like sweet, but like at the same time, I really do feel for Rose, even though she was in Grey's anatomy, she deserves pain. But like like all of a sudden, they're forced her to put this through. And then every man in their dog behind is like, well, if you did it for her, I want to pay. We're like, this is cash only. Yeah. Like, and it's also a case of like, I've worked in retail. There are some times where you got to connect that. And it's like, it's 1998. It's like, they've got dial-up internet. That's just not connected. <laughs> um, And this is, this is something that's kind of dated now because this is the opposite in 2023. It's hard sometimes to find places with cash. I, I mean, I, yeah. never, I never have cash. Like, literally, I had cash the other day because I won this – sweep at work for, like, the World Cup. So, like, here, Ben, here's $50. I'm like, oh, this is what these notes look like. I haven't seen one of these in a while. So, then I had $50 in my wallet. I'm like, what do I do with cash? So, when I was in Melbourne, I, like, would use it and I'd always forget, oh, I've got cash. No, I'll pay with cash. But then, like, I'd be at the stadium for the football and all stadiums in Australia now are basically cashless venues. You can't pay for anything with cash in stadiums anymore. So, it's kind of, like, the opposite now, which... I Do you have that thing in, in Canada? I never, I never came across it. You guys were smart, but... We have a thing here, like the the machines in Australia, it's called FPOS, uh, Electronic Funds Transfer Point of Sale is what it stands for. And generally, like when it started, it was like, yes, we have FPOS. But it used to be a thing that like some of these smaller stores, if you, it was minimum $10 because like it charged, the bank charges you like 50 cents if the transaction's under $10. So you'd often go into these stores and you just want to buy a newspaper or a drink. You go to pay a cut on minimum $10. I'm like, well, you're costing yourself money because I'm just going to go across the street to your competitor who will let me use an EFTPOS. Like, it's costing you 50 cents. We'll put the drink up by 50 cents. I don't know. So I, I never saw that in Canada, though, that you had a minimum, like, card spend, if you know what I mean. So
1: There's, uh, well, the book sale, the book fair thing we're at today, it was, like, $5 minimum. You you see it more often when you go into, like, a, like a small yeah. mom-and-pop grocery yeah. store or something like that, you know, because you do get charged for the transactions on that. I
0: but, really, uh, I, I'm i not generally an asshole in real life. I was only on these shows and to other people, but like, I, I, I think I'm a bit similar to you. Don't really like conflict. I'm not my dad. My dad will yell at people in stores all the time. If they do the smallest thing, I'm like, Oh my God, dad, just like they're doing their job. Like, <laughs> like I, I have very small patience, but I'm usually one of these people that just complains to myself. Right. But yeah, I remember there was one time I went into this like news agents and I wanted to buy a newspaper. Right. So I do do, do, do grab the newspaper on the counter and it's sort of, I go to pay with a card, oh, minimum $5. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I don't want it then. So I just walked off I go to walk off and left it on the counter, right? And he turns around and goes, oh, well, you could have taken and put it back. And I'd like, I turn around and I literally said, I'm like, well, you could have sold it to me. And then I just like, <laughs> fuck you. Like, I mean, it's right there. Your your job to put it back. I'm not one of these people who are like, oh, leave my food on the table. Well, somebody's paid to do that. Like, I'm not that asshole, but this bastard. I'm like, fucking sell it to me. Prick, don't shop at that news. If you're you're listening in Hobart and Tasmania, Glenorchy, do not go to the Glenorchy Central News Agency. He's an asshole. There you go. I love that one listener. Oh, I'm not going to do that, Ben. Thanks for the (laughs) heads (laughs) up. I was going to go buy a magazine today, but no, I'm going to Northgate instead. Um, But I, I love like the bit when they're protesting outside the store And like Tom Hanks is kind of like going, what are they saying? Two, four, six, eight. We want you to go. (laughs) It's kind of catchy. Uh, (laughs) And I also love like, yeah, I don't like Meg Ryan doing the shadow boxing, but I love like Greg Kinnear when the woman's like reading the article back and he's just like, do you like it? Is it good? Like, do you, I really like that line. Like that's me. That is so me. Like if somebody's (laughs) listening to my podcast, this is that bit where I said that funny joke about not shopping at the news agency. (laughs) Do you like it? Do you think it's funny? Um, but yeah, like this, the interior of this bookstore is nice. Like I love the, the, um, the Statue of Liberty reading the book and like, yeah, these places where you can go and sit in and have like cafe. There's, um, I remember there was a, we've got a Kmart in Australia, a chain called Kmart. You had that too. Obviously it's different. owned by different people. To, yeah. Kmart in Australia is very trendy. It's very hip. Whereas like it's the opposite in America and Canada. I realize that. But I remember like back in the day, our Kmart stores, the two things I always wanted, because it was a rare thing that I would shop in Kmart, but like, the two things I always wanted, every time I went into this Kmart, they had little kids' trolleys, like little mini trolleys. that little kiddies could like walk around and push the little trolleys. But you always had to put like a dollar coin in there. And my mom and dad were like, no, nah, that's expensive. I'm not doing that. Like, fuck you, parents. Uh, but they would always have a little cafe in the back of a Kmart like with cool mm. food. But no, we never ate in Kmart cafe. Like, you know, like things that you, uh, as, as a little kid you wanted to do, but your parents wouldn't let you do.
1: Kmart existed here, but I mean the Canadian version, which was probably bigger, was called Zellers. And Zellers closed, uh, I think, 2012. Uh, but it's one of these things where it's made this comeback where they they're doing pop up stores as Zellers. So I think it's like in in the the Bay, which is like the big mm. Canadian department store. The Bay, they they dedicate the entire upper level to Zellers, where it, it basically looks like an old Zellers. They're selling Zellers only merchandise. And Zellers had that little cafe thing and they've actually got one of those pop up restaurants inside the pop up Zellers, which is really cool. Doesn't, I can't eat anything there, but it's it's, it's nostalgic.
0: But the Bay has cafe, because I know like at one of our versions of the Bay, and we've got two, but one of them is called like Maya, kind of like that up and up market department yeah. store. And Maya, I know here like in in Sydney and the one in Melbourne the other day, like you go up to like level four and there's like a little cafe and it's quite fancy. Mm-hmm. So um I think I saw one of them in the bay one time, maybe. Don't know. Yeah, like,
1: the, the bay is like seven floors. Oh, <laughs> and I think the I the ones the I've been to is like in the basement or whatever. The basement's like the bargain basement. That's the, the section I go to because everything else at the bay is like shopping at shop around the corner. <laughs> it's like seventy dollars. <laughs> I bought socks.
0: <laughs> I remember I bought a um like a really nice winter coat from the bay, and it might have cost me like two hundred dollars, oh, yeah. but it was worth it. But I just I just remember the uh, very um, exuberant shopkeeper that was selling us. But he was so <laughs> immaculately dressed and just so like
1: just Mission. Your
0: stereotypical like male shop assistant. And I'm like, I like you. You're you're. I want to be your friend. Not in that way, Um, but I would have, it was an attractive man. Um, anyway. So yes, uh, I like the gym bit. Um, and again, the oh ripping into journalists. Oh, I said more than that. That's all they edited. I'm like, that's what you do. Like, I mean, if you're going to say a line of I sell cheap books, so sue me. Like I'm a smart enough journalist to know. Well, there's your quote. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, literally, he could have been like, oh, I could stand here and say, oh, I sell cheap books, so sue me. But I'm not that type of man. Journalists are going to pick that part because you said it. And if you, you ring up a complaint, d- I'm like, sorry, you said it. Um, you took it out of context. You know
1: how I know that's, you know how I know that's true? That's because you already heard me on this episode saying comedy gold from Ben Waterworth. <laughs> so that is my equivalent of I sell cheap books. So like, at
0: the end of the day, I get the it's taken out of context line, but you still fucking said it. All right. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Like if you are that, that's why people have media training now because they know not to say lines. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I, I've literally interviewed politicians before where their media person will sit there and record the conversation as well because they're like, Oh, you're <laughs> a journalist. You're going to take Back-up. this out of context. I the, the guy who is now the prime minister of New Zealand, when I was in New Zealand and I did a story on him when he was the police minister, I took a quote that he said in a radio interview, not out of context. In the context, I can't remember what it was, but it was completely in context. For a week, I had his media team demanding a retraction, demanding that we, I was like, what do we do? I went to my editor. I'm like, well, he didn't say anything wrong. It's like, you did the right thing. So we published something on like page 33 in the bottom right-hand corner that said, we are sorry that he took it out of context, but we correct. Um, we apologize if he was offended for something that we did correctly. Like it was a real dig at him. And now he's like the prime minister. So shut up, Stephen Hept. Uh, whatever your name is.
1: The the this fundraiser that I'm doing right now for his charity organization that um uh, Casper was involved with, the twins are involved with now for like autistic kids, and I'm doing this fundraising and I'm, they've been huge over the last year. Like they let us do the puck drop for a moose game. Uh, they actually wrote an article on um their website, which is like casper's story, and they interviewed me for anything. And I, I mean. It was basically like a 10 minute phone conversation, you know, asking me questions and stuff like that. And then I'm waiting, waiting for the interview to come on. I'm like, what did I say? Did I say anything to get taken out of context? (laughs) I was all worried about it. I mean, not from watching this, movie, just in general, you're like, Oh, Oh wait, I said that. Are they gonna make sure to put that in the right context? Yeah, you it, it's kind of nerve-wracking if you ever, well, ever get interviewed worrying uh, what yeah, they like, might
0: say. I mean, I remember back in the day when the whole Hobart Olympic bid was a thing, you know, and it was starting to get a bit too serious around boots. But like, you know, there would always be a line that I would like, I'd be talking about, like, oh, this is real, this is real. And then I'd always have that line of like, yeah, I realize people will take it as a joke, or it started off as a joke. So everybody would always run with that line. Like it was just like, Oh, it's a joke. It's <laughs> like, oh yeah, all right, fair enough. Like I said it, like whatever. Like it's just anyway. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I like kind of just I love, and you actually you pay attention. There's like a gym user in the background who's obviously like watching this and realizes who this is. She's like looking like, oh, look at this <laughs> asshole. Um, and what is what does uh, Meg Ryan say? Like oh, I met Joe Fox, and he's blah 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 when he falls off the treadmill, uh, which yeah. I think is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, Dave Chappelle, he's in Silver Linings Playbook, isn't he as
1: well? No, oh Chris Tucker's in that. No, um, well, well, well,
0: no, he's in um, A Star Is Born. Another Bradley Cooper Was he in A Star is Born? Yeah. He was Bradley Cooper's friend in A Star is Born. I knew he was like in another dramatic, like this isn't a dramatic role, but I knew he was in like a Bradley Cooper movie with a Bradley Cooper's friend. And that wasn't me being racist because Chris Tucker is also (laughs) African-American. It was more of a, which Bradley Cooper movie is Dave Chappelle his friend? And I got the wrong one. Sorry. You are correct. Thank you. Uh, See, not
1: being racist. See, I'm trying to, like, Dave Chappelle's more well-known for his TV show and his stand-up and everything, but I'm like, how many movies has he been in? There's a movie he did with Martin Lawrence, Blue Streak. Did you ever see that one? No. Yeah, that, one, that was a good one. I just, uh, but yeah, he he really hasn't done that many movies. I
0: remember, because I know in Naughty Professor, he's the um, stand-up who kind of, like, offends Eddie Murphy when he's, like, really fat, when he's with Jada Pinkett Smith, and then he goes back when he's Buddy Love, and he, like... He um he like breaks his hand. He's like loving you is easy cause you're beautiful. <laughs> do, 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 do. And he squeezes Dave Chappelle's hand. He's like oh. <laughs> what are we doing, Natty Professor? Um
1: oh, can we also do Con Air if we do a Dave Chappelle month? Is Dave Chappelle in Con Air? Yes. Yeah, so- yeah, he, he, it's funny that he really hasn't done that many movies, but, like, the movies he's done, some pretty memorable the, ones. Is
0: this, like, that period of the 90s when you realize Owen Wilson used to be in, like, serious movies, that he was in, like, Anaconda, and he was, like, in The Cable Guy, like but as a serious role? Yeah. Like, it's... it's And even, um, even Vince Vaughn, like, when we did Lost World, like, it's one of these mm-hmm. ones where you realize that there are these actors who actually kind of used to be dramatic actors before they really found their niche of comedy. Um, mm-hmm. Anaconda I know you hate Anaconda but that's a movie we need to do. Um yeah I I I think I've covered all the things I need to say.
1: Uh I can basically go to the end of the movie from this point. Damn so it. uh starts they they're going to have a proper meet up now. Now she's like, "Hey, maybe we should meet up." And he's like, "I remember saying that back in November. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for bringing it up now in March. I've moved on uh, to
0: Shop Girl 3." <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: but as uh Tom Hanks is on his way there, he's telling Dave Chappelle about, "Oh, she's going to you know, I'm going to recognize her because she has a book and is like, oh, and it's going to have a flower and like, it's kind of a cliche thing and he's making fun of it. Now this is the first time that either of them really acknowledge. I think Meg Ryan kind of had something earlier on when she was talking to like all of her other, you know, bookshop friends or whatever, or coworkers. But I mean, this is the first time Tom Hanks even acknowledges that he would have any interest outside of just being a friendly thing. This mm. is the first time he acknowledges anything like that. Uh, and the way he acknowledges it is it's one of my favorite lines in this movie where he's saying, if this woman turns out to be, you know, uh, as a, half of as attractive as a mailbox, I'd be crazy not to marry her. Uh, and then Dave Chappelle goes up to to look at her, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I see a woman there." It's like, "Oh, but she doesn't have a book." And then all of a sudden, "Oh yeah, yeah, I see her. Yeah, no, she's got a book. Yeah, yeah, she's good looking, all right. Um, she kind of has. I like," he said. Similar coloring to that Kathleen woman from the shop around the corner. <laughs> uh, and then he's like, oh, yeah, well, what does she have to do with this? Like, well, if you don't like Kathleen, you're not going to like this girl. Why? It's like, because it is her. <laughs> uh, that th- This basically sets up the entire third act of the movie. But Tom Hanks, he's got. Almost any movie he's in, people are going to say, give him an Oscar. This is probably one of the rare movies where people are like, Tom Hanks is, he's playing typical Tom Hanks. Like this is, he did this for the fun of doing the movie and not to win an Oscar or anything. But if there's like one or two scenes in this movie where I could make a pitch that like make this Tom Hanks Oscar clip, just the scene where he realizes it's her. And then Dave Chappelle's like, what are you going to do? He goes, nothing. I'm going home. I'll see you tomorrow. Like it's, it's actually really heartbreaking to not to think about Meg Ryan's reaction, the fact that she's going to be like stood up, but his reaction realizing like how much he dislikes this woman is actually really good. And then when he comes in later on, the way that he plays off in the shop uh, as he comes in here, it's even better. Cause now this is the first time where he's sort of playing up on. I know who you are. You don't know who I am later in the movie. It's gonna become a joke to him, but here he's basically testing the waters. He's like, I'm going to give her a second shot, but we'll see how this goes. And she turns out, this is almost just a bad luck that this is the one time that she turns out to be very outspoken and able to say mean things. And he has that great line where she says something. He says, you know, uh, it uh, was you know halfway between uh, poetry and meanness. And then she's like, hey, hey. And he's like, hey, I'm paying you a compliment or whatever. Uh, she starts making fun of him about the whole just Joe thing is, well, oh, it's like a cocktail waitress. Like I'm Kimberly or Janice. <laughs> Don't they know you're supposed to have a last name? Uh, we have a whole generation of cocktail, waitresses with one name. And he goes, Hey, I'm not a cocktail waitress. Uh, the, the one part where she uh, basically, and I, I feel like this is one part that the movie could have used a little bit of tweaking, tweaking, and a word that's going to come up later where uh, the, the meanest thing she says to him, is, says, you're just a suit. And that's where he gets like really crushed and hurt. He goes, well, that's my cue. And he gets up and walks out like it's played brilliantly. Like, again, that's one of those moments where it's like, this is two time Academy award winner, Tom Hanks, you know, at his best in a movie that is just cheap. I I sell cheap rom-coms. That's what Mm. this movie is. But the way that like he has that look on his face is good. But like the line, you're just a suit. I'm like, that's not nearly as mean as what she said earlier about, Mm. you know, uh, everything else. So I don't know. That's maybe one uh, slight criticism of how this movie, um, the next morning though when he's talking to dave Chappelle, and he's like okay so did you go back yeah and how did it go it's like yeah uh, she was you know just as horrible as i expected and then meg ryan coming in saying she, uh, she keeps saying i didn't get stood up he didn't show up and i love that every single person is like so he stood you up huh <laughs> uh but this is probably my favorite uh scene of the entire movie where uh they're saying oh well maybe he was in like a uh, you know an accident and uh the subway accident or something he's got his arm stuck in the the, the the doors or whatever uh, and he was trying to help a uh, poor helpless old woman and Steve Zang just keeps looking at this newspaper uh, uh guys and all of a sudden he shows it's like rooftop killer uh, has been caught he was he was grabbed two blocks from the cafe where you were supposed to meet him and then it's a the line that he has where he's like, you could be dead. <laughs> I'm so serious. I, I just love that. I, I like and the, then to follow that up where it's like, he couldn't be the rooftop killer and you got the other the other co-worker was like, don't you remember when you said the Frank could have been the <laughs> I, I unit
0: But I like the bit where she's like, and he couldn't make a phone call because he had to call his lawyer. Like, I mean, yes, because yes, that's <laughs> the
1: one reason you'd
0: be concerned.
1: But, you know, it's funny that it's it's done as a joke, but it's like, I was watching this time like that actually makes sense. If I were if I were to you know know somebody, if Ben were to be saying, "Oh yeah, I've got some meeting with some girl," uh, and it's like, "Yeah, she didn't show up," and I'm looking and I'm like, "Wait, the Rooftop Killer was (laughs) arrested two blocks from there." I'm gonna at least start thinking maybe she was the Rooftop Killer. Um, <laughs> I might also think that Ben's ex might've been the Unabomber. <laughs> she did play the ukulele. You know how I feel about ukulele. So Unabomber, ukulele, two things go together. But it, this is like that, that line that oh, was like, you could be dead. And then the whole, don't you, remember Frank could be the Unabomber. Oh, uh, it just cracks me up so much. Um, so, uh, after this we have, uh, uh, it, Tom Hanks trying to write his excuse. I was detained. Uh, uh I was, uh, what is it where he says, I was trapped on the 38th floor and the power went Now, I'm I always remember this wrong. Vancouver. Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> that got like a huge laugh here because, like, it's not like nowadays where I mean, Canada's mentioned everything, but like back in 1998, to be watching a Hollywood movie and they're mentioning a Canadian city, like it got like a massive laugh in the theater. Uh, but uh, the, the part where he's writing the whole elaborate thing, I always misremember that, that he, because he talks about the power going out in the building and him being trapped on the floor. I always misremember it is that he said that he was trapped in an elevator and the power went out. And I'm like, oh, so it like self-fulfilling prophecy actually gets trapped in an elevator. But that's not it at all. He's it's slightly similar but different. But that one part, like this has to be Tom Hanks improv where he's hitting delete yeah, key over and over I again, over again. Doing
0: and over again. And he's sort starting to
1: look at the dog and it's like, <laughs> oh, I love uh, that. And dog. in the end, he, uh Brinkley uh in the end, he just says, oh, I can't tell you what happened, but I'm very sorry and <laughs> this everything. This is so
0: dated. I'm just saying this right now. This is so 1998 that if you get stood up at a date and you're like, oh, well, I hope you had an excuse. I will never, you know, I will explain to you one day. Okay, let's <laughs> keep talking. I'm
1: sorry. In 2023, you don't show up. Fuck off. Delete. That, 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 it, there's not even a, oh, that was today? <laughs> nope.
0: Nope. You're gone.
1: Um. But uh, the we find out now that Meg Ryan has decided to close the store, and here comes the one plot hole in the movie. So, we follow pretty much all seasons in this movie. It starts in the fall. It goes through Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's into the spring at this point. And when the movie ends, it looks like it's the summer. Um, But right here, we're probably in, like, the early spring. And when they're at the movie theater, I don't know, did you catch the posters that were up for the theater that Meg, Ryan, and Greg Kinnear go into? I did not, no. So, you see a post for Deep Impact and The Truman Show. Obviously, this movie filmed around June, which May, June, when both those movies were out. Uh, but this movie now taking place in the spring, I'm like, it's impossible those movies would still be playing there. Now, that's just me as a movie buff. <laughs> I love picking that. This that's apart. the plot hole of this movie. Well, there have the yeah, well, that's wrong. There's, there's no way those movies oh, were yeah, still I showing see, eight I months later. Them, I
0: see them now, yeah.
1: But I wonder, like, which one of those is great? Can you, now, they're, they're, at, they're at hypocrites again. They're at the big, you know, uh, what do you call it, Um, a chain, a Cineplex chain that they have here uh, in New York City. This is not like a small movie theater. They got everything here. But also, do you see Greg Kinnear as a guy who's going to see the... He's definitely going to the Truman Show and not Deep Impact, right?
0: Yeah, Truman Show. I always get confused with this thing because like, the bit where your opening line where it's like, it's our dog and whatever talking, you know, what are you missing? (laughs) I like... It's weird, like, how you said you were going to bring up Hugh Jackman and that the other day. For some reason the other day, I had this line stuck in my head, like, because I think when I went to the movies or something, I don't know. And I just, for some reason, always remember this line of, oh, it's a hot dog talking, blah, blah, blah. And the two that I always get confused with, like, I know how familiar you are with scary movie When like um, Regina, whatever her name is, is in uh, the cinema and she's like on the phone. She's like, oh, I've got my friends here. I'm just going to eat my fried chicken. Like it's just, it's, you know, that But for some reason, I always thought this line was in a Will and Grace episode where it's like, it's a hot dog (laughs) talking to a thing. What are you missing? Like maybe there is an episode where they do a bit like that, but I always remember it was from this film.
1: Which daddy, I've Greg seen. Kinnear. I've seen that. He almost um, looks like Eric McCormick.
0: Yeah, I guess she doesn't really look like Deborah Messing though. Um, but I and I never saw her on Broadway. Um, but I,
1: <laughs> I always
0: like that is. I think I've, when I've been to the movies in America, they still do a thing like that. We're gonna go to the lobby. All to the
1: lobby. <laughs> yeah, because like, we don't do that I, I used here. To... But yeah. Well, I I used to like it. We we have like the main chain here, Cineplex, mm-hmm. and then uh, it used to be the smaller chain called Landmark, where it was like more dated looking theaters, like what you would see, you know, in the old days. Or yeah, you, you actually had the lobby. The Landmark used to show those. Now Landmark is like more advanced than Cineplex. Not as big, but it's like more advanced. They're the ones with like the reclining, vibrating seats and stuff like that. But I used to always like going to landmark theaters because they'd actually show that at every once in a while. Like, Let's all go to the lobby. Uh, but yeah, it's, remi- it's such a
0: No, now it just reminds you of, um, I, I don't know if you had it in Canada, but that, that one that all the memes started from the Nicole Kidman one, was that Cineplex or whatever, where she's like, the movies take you to new places. And it's just Nicole Kidman in a, in a cinema, like by herself, like pretending to be in awe of like cinema. Oh,
1: Vaguely rings a bell. There's like a um, meme
0: of it that goes around now, just bagging her out for it. But, um, Yeah, I remember when I was in New York, like every time I go to the movies, there'd just be this cheesy Nicole Kibben, come back to the movies. And she's like eating a popcorn.
1: The big one we had here was Simi Liu, who uh, the guy plays Shang-Chi now, but uh, uh, like his TV show, Kim's Convenience, is really big here. So uh, I don't know if it was before. No, it would have been. Yeah, I think it was probably around the time Shang-Chi was coming out. He did like that thing we're about oh we're so glad to be back at the movies or whatever and uh he had like this giant bag of popcorn he basically starts cramming popcorn in his face <laughs> right at the end of that so his, his was pretty good uh, yeah i i might have seen the nicole king kidman one but it may have just been you telling me about it but it uh, greg can <laughs> hear the line he about a oh, hot dog is singing you want me to be quiet while a hot dog is singing uh but this is like their big fight here where uh he's maybe getting a little bit too serious about you know being with somebody who I love that line. believe in politics? I can never be with somebody I never who doesn't voted. believe in politics. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, didn't vote. I never voted. I went to get a manicure. And then when he's like, okay, I forgive you. It's like, you forgive me? It's like, well, you can tell me you can't be with somebody who gets some a manicure now too. Uh, and then this breakup scene, like I think th- th- another one of the things that saves this movie, uh, I said with Sleepless in Seattle, it's not the whole breakup with Bill Pullman. That it, you still do feel for him. But it's the fact that she says, when he's like, oh, so you're going to go find this guy? And she says, no, I don't think so. That's what saves a character. What saves it here is, like you said, the fact they both basically say in the scene, I don't love you. And he goes, I don't either. And they're kind of laughing about it. Yeah, It's like, well, why why, why doesn't this work? Because shouldn't we be perfect yeah. for each other? And that's natural. this that happens
0: in some relationships sometimes. And I just like the way they play yeah, well, off of it. Yeah, it's nice.
1: And I think the reason that I I accept this movie a little bit more, even though we see that these two couples have obviously been together long enough, they're living together. It would probably be a little bit different if they weren't living together. But there's that scene in Sleepless in Seattle. I don't even think we talked about it when he was at the airport. and He was describing to his son what dating is. He goes, I, you know, I'm trying somebody on for size to see if they fit. Right. Mm. And if you had done this differently, you could have done it like that. Whereas like, hey, we tried it. It didn't work, whatever. But the fact they're living together like yeah, it has been a long time, but it's also saved a little bit when he's basically saying, "Oh yeah, there is somebody else, and nothing's happened though." Like he specifically said, "Nothing's happened." You kind of get the impression like maybe he's just been talking to this this interviewer woman, and it's it similar to what she's doing, right? Uh, but does she even own up in this scene that she's chatting to somebody? She doesn't. She yeah, says
0: because uh, he, he goes, "Is there anyone else?" And she goes, "No, there's the dream of someone else."
1: There's a dream, yeah. Which, I mean, I I guess for argument's sake at this point, she's kind of given up on it the same as Sleepless in Seattle where she thinks, oh, he had his chance and that didn't happen or whatever. But but yeah, like, let's address the elephant in the room. She arranged a meetup with another guy. She arranged a date with another guy. Did she do anything else? Did she have cyber sex? Have they even discussed anything outside of just being friends? no but she arranged well, a date with a rose in a book and it, it it's that dream she was talking about. So yeah, it's and the one thing that's a little bit hard.
0: And I think there's two layers to that because um, there's that line early on when they're talking about cyber sex, that they kind of straight away throw that out of the window. So we know these two aren't just secretly like sexting. Yeah. Um, And also they always are talking about like, ah, no personal remember, remember. But um, I yeah. think this is where this is better than Sleepless in Seattle because it, it like obviously they've met and like, you've kind of got this conflict of like, Oh, he doesn't, she doesn't know who he is, but he knows who her is. um But I think the difference, what makes this work better than Sleepless in Seattle is that, as I kind of mentioned last week, like she's just like in love with the idea of a voice and whatever, and has seen him like once. And like, th- l- at least in this movie, like you can tell why she's in love with sort of someone because she's having conversations and getting to know this mm-hmm. person. I mean, I mean, Tom Hanks could be calling up radio stations like, oh yeah, my kid. Oh, you little bastard. Oh, I'm so lonely. Hangs up the phone. and goes, ah, look at these letters. I'm going to go fuck them all. Like, I mean, you know, he could yeah. be a real sleaze. Um, so not saying that he couldn't be a sleaze on the internet. Who would do that? Mm.
1: Um, but
0: yeah, anyway, I, it works.
1: Uh, so after the breakup, uh, her bookstores uh, closed completely and she wanders into Fox books and you got somebody asking about these shoe books and the, the, salesperson doesn't know anything about it. So she just starts chiming in, oh, there's this book and there's this book and this one's good. And then he's like, oh, and how do you spell that for the author's name or whatever? Uh, I always thought, okay, she's going to end up with a job at this bookstore. But again, the movie takes like a different direction. Uh, And um, now you get uh, right before they get in the elevator. This is where Parker Posey mentions that she offered a job to Meg Ryan because she'd make a great book editor. And then at that point I'm thinking, oh, she's going to become a book editor. But again, it goes in a different direction, which is kind of nice. They get stuck in the elevator here. Now, this elevator operator, you, I guarantee you've seen this guy in nothing. But uh, th- this this it actor, was he was, well, maybe you have seen him in something. I don't know. But, like, uh, one of the shows that made my top 50 favorite TV shows of all time was The Practice with Dylan McDermott, which was uh, David E. Kelly. It was the companion show to Ally McBeal. Ally McBeal was, mm-hmm. like, they took place in the same universe. Ally McBeal was a parody. This was, like, the serious show, although it was definitely over the top. And if you like, like sometimes you describe nip tuck i'm like oh the practice is the lawyer version of that you would like it like there's literally a guy on there who you know dresses up as a woman and kills people but when you're first introduced to him you think he's like this lonely guy you think he's like bill pullman or something like that it's like to seattle there's some crazy stuff that happened on the practice uh but uh he plays um a character who's basically the nice guy lawyer but he tries not to be he tries to be better call Saul. <laughs> so at one point he's like Jimmy the grunt and he puts this ad on like the tough lawyer ads or whatever. And it just doesn't suit him at all. Uh, I still remember like there's one scene where he, he's trying a case and he actually wins at the end and he actually jumps up in the courtroom and says, I won. I finally won. <laughs> uh, this guy was great in the practice, but I mean, I think this might be the only other thing I've seen him from. Uh, but when they get stuck in the elevator, I love it. He starts pushing all the buttons, you know, that doesn't actually work. And then Tom Hanks has to take uh charge here by calling up and the way that he he has like this, very charming condescension when he talks to people, like even with Rose at the the supermarket. But when he's calling up the, the I don't know if it's supposed to be the, the lobby guy here, it's like, yes, we're stuck in the elevator between these floors. Yes, yes, there's four of us in here. Like <laughs> he was like, uh huh. And then you'll call 911. Okay. Fire and then department. the superintendent, thank you. The fire department. Yeah, that's the way. That's the fire department. <laughs> uh, okay. Thank you very much. Uh, I love the elevator guy here where he's like, let's all jump up in the air. If we jump out of the air, the elevator think nobody's here. And it'll start moving again. Uh, it, it flashed forward a couple hours later where the, they're all talking about the, the other woman in the elevator is talking about, oh, you know, if we ever get if we ever get out of here, then he's like, and I'm going to propose to my girlfriend. I don't know. I haven't done it. And then Tom Hanks about to say what he's going to do. And he's like, oh, you know, if I ever get out of here, and then he's propose where are my Tic Tacs? <laughs> <laughs> again, it's, it's funny because she's the closest thing this movie has to a villain. Mm. But like, Is she a little bit obnoxious? Yes. But like, are there people like this? Yes. This is in no way insulting Jamie because most people assume Jamie is like the nicest person you'll ever meet. And then you're like, no, Jamie could be like this. Jamie could be the insensitive person when everybody else is like, oh, I think we might die. And she's like, come on. I wish I had a bottle of water. (laughs) I'm thirsty. Uh, I've told this story on the podcast before. Anytime Jamie and I have reviewed a Liam Neeson movie, I told this somebody at work recently on my birthday when we were, trying to pick we're out with some friends and we went to go eat and then we're trying to find what movie we're going to watch and Liam Neeson's movie Nonstop came out same day as the Muppets most wanted and everybody's saying okay so what movie should we see I'm like ah I kind of want to see the Liam Neeson movie like well it's Colin's choice which one do you want to see and Jamie's like let's see the Muppets I'm like well let Colin choose no joke in the middle of a restaurant Jamie crosses her arms so stomping her feet going Muppets 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 (laughs) like I guess we're seeing the Muppets And we see it, and it's like the worst Muppet movie you could imagine, which is why to this day, every time a Liam Neeson movie comes out, Jamie is obligated to go with me. But Jamie, nicest person in the world. She could be Parker Posey in an elevator. Like, it's obnoxious, but, like, it's still – there's something endearing about her, right? Like, this – she doesn't have to be all sap. She's just not a sap. She's me. You're Greg Kinney or I'm Parker Posey. There we go.
0: Oh, we're going to end up together. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I the thing that I love about this whole sequence is they've been stuck in an la for two hours but they're acting like they're going all going to die, which I just think is yeah. funny. Like, if I ever get out, who of are we going to eat first? I'm going to speak to my daughter and I'm going to propose <laughs> to my girlfriend. Like it's just funny. But no, she's like. Yeah, I I completely agree with her. Like I mean, I get it. She's like annoying and whatever, but like there are just people like that. And like I yeah. definitely have very much traits of these, and I'll admit that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just I don't know, she's just fun. I just like her character. You meant to dislike like it's so we always like the dislikeable characters in movies because generally they're the fun. If we we're actors, I'd want to play the bad guy. That's the, one, the most fun he's had. Oh, who wouldn't?
1: Um, so it immediately transitioned. We did not even see a breakup scene for them, which I think is actually better that way. Like having two breakups is too much. You just have him writing the email talking about, you know, he had this epiphany. And as soon as he got off the elevator, 10 minutes later, he moved out of his apartment. He moves on to his boat. Um, and uh, we follow this up with his dad uh, moving on to his boat and explaining about how the the nanny. Uh, oh, this is where they're talking about his wife left him. And says, yeah, so I've been here before, you know, I'll live in the boat for a couple of weeks. Same thing happened. Well, well, with your mother, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I left her for my nanny. Was that our nanny? Yeah. And then, uh, and then after that, there was the, uh, the skating instructor and, uh, well, I left her for whoever. And it's like, yeah, also the nanny. Oh, what a coincidence. (laughs) And then the conversation ends where he's like, yeah, so, uh, you know, she left me. It's like, for who? It's like the nanny. (laughs) It's like, really? (laughs) Um, so we get Tom Hanks now as nice guy showing up at Meg Ryan's house and he's got flowers for her. She's got a cold. She doesn't want him to come up, but I, I love the way that like both of them play this, like the way that she's flushed is like, I have a really bad cold. and she just keeps talking to nobody as somebody else lets him in the building. And then when he bangs on the door, she's like, ah, uh, now for somebody who had a hanky earlier, she just has a whole lot of Kleenex everywhere. Now, now this in the grosses wash. me out. Now, what? The if, in the she wash. only has one hanky. You only have one hanky. I have two. How many do you have? True. And I we we talked about this when we had the hanky episode of Double Seven. Uh the one thing that grossed me out. like a kid can vomit all over me. Uh they can poop, they can pee. But if ugh, see Ben's doing it right now just to get to me. Uh if somebody has something running out of their nose, like I don't want it to be anywhere near Jamie like, oh, the kid has a book don't don't tell me. Uh there there are actual times. I think it was recently, uh, where I don't know, she was wiping a kid, had a runny nose. One of the kids or they sneezed and something was dangling. One of your kids, uh, I hope. Yeah, and, and she, she, I think I was just nearby and she was wiping it. And I did that thing, like, where some, somebody farted. You pull your shirt over your nose, right? And she's like, why are you covering your nose? You can't smell it. I'm like, it just makes me feel better, okay?
0: <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it uh, see, does, does, like I am a clean person. That sort of stuff does gross me out. But, like, when it's my own, like, I, I'm not defending my hanky use again to you, Colin Hilding. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm, I'm going to criticize Meg Ryan here because she's got Kleenex everywhere. Throw it in the garbage, okay? It's <laughs> like, disgusting. She's literally got it on, on tables. She's she's grabbing it. She's opening it. Like, wash your hands at least afterwards. Like, who wants to blow their nose and not immediately put it in the garbage?
0: I'm sure there's, like... If you She like, throws in a ball. When when there was like the whole COVID like wash your hand things and everybody like we're being educated, washing, that the whole thing I'm like, who are people out there who don't wash their hands? Like why is this a thing that we oh. need to be told? But the one that always amazes me is when I go to a public bathroom for reasons to urinate or poop, not just fun. <laughs> like I don't know about you, but like sometimes like when you're in like a busy bathroom and like, you know, you sort of, you, you maybe, I hate using urinals, but sometimes you got to use them. And then all of a sudden, like you go to the bathroom, and then like you finish at the same time as someone else, right? And you're yeah. walking towards dude, do I'm going to the bathroom, wash my hands. People just walk out. I like, I literally want to be like, yeah. wash Ooh. your hands. <laughs> yeah. Like, I so many times just want to be like, wash your hands, you dirty bastard.
1: I uh, I I I once worked at a job. I've I've never once take like a lot of sick time. I mean, if I'm if I'm sick, super sick, He's you know, I'll take sick time. He goes to work. But, yeah, but uh, I I remember one time where uh i i was working and somebody went in the bathroom and i you could hear right like they didn't wash their hands and they were in there long enough where i'm like that wasn't just like you know hold down the pants (laughs) and let it free fly right like you could a guy can do it without holding it right but if you're doing number two you're wiping something you know um so when he came out and i was
0: calling if you'd have to i mean
1: (laughs) but but when this guy came out i knew that he didn't wash his hands. No joke. I felt so nauseous. So like 10 minutes later, I'm like, I, I'm feeling really sick. I got to go home sick. <laughs> I, I went home sick because somebody didn't wash their hands in the bathroom. Uh, but yeah, it would be even worse if I saw him blow his nose in his hands and not wash it. But Ugh. I'm very self-conscious.
0: Uh, like you think it's disgusting. But like, for example, like I, like most people, when it's cold, like your nose runs a little bit more, right? You're not sick yeah. or anything. So like, oh.
1: but like 90, 90% of the time. You're Canadian, <laughs> I
0: don't need to tell you, but yours freezes, right? That's because it's that cold. But yeah. like, but like there are moments where they say like, I'll be like, I was on a train the other day and it was a bit chilly in the morning. So I go on the train, of course, I'm sitting on the train and my nose starts running, but it was a very packed train. So I'm like sitting next to people. So because I'm getting the hanky out and dabbing my nose and then like, I feel self-conscious because I think people like, oh, he's sick. Like, you know, like, oh, it's disgusting, yeah. but I'm just kind of like, well, I've got a runny nose. I'm not going to be going like this with my wrist. <laughs> like I just, I'm very self-conscious about it. And I'm, I'm like, don't like having things on my face or like, just like, um, yeah. So like. It may be mm-hmm. disgusting, but I do it because I'm self-conscious. Otherwise I'd just be going <laughs> on my wrists and stuff, like that was oh, well, that's disgusting.
1: Like kids do. Ugh. But there's I, also I never there it. are
0: certain people who would just you'll be on the train and they'll just be sitting there.
1: Ugh, oh Ugh. yeah. And you're just like, what uh, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm getting grossed out now. Uh let's move on. So uh, How does he he's know basically our there too. Uh, well, no, because he, he probably got it from uh, Steve Zahn because he even says that's how he knew she was sick. Because okay, Steve Zahn works I'm sorry, for him now. sorry, Steve Zahn. Don't give out private addresses. Uh, uh, but I, I actually kind of wonder about that now because Steve Zahn is the one guy that like probably isn't on board with them all. Oh, this is the evil empire. Because there was even another part earlier in the movie where they were all talking about something. He just walks out of the store when they were talking or complaining. And he was the guy, and is he almost mocking them when he's like, oh, you might have to move to Brooklyn or whatever. No, He offered, no, He offers a job. He, no, that's, he, he moved. That's uh, the, jobs the, he changed the Miss
0: Congeniality girl. When she's like, I have
1: rent control.
0: I don't know. I, if oh, I yeah. lose my job, I might have to move to Brooklyn.
1: <laughs> but but like, he obviously took a job there. So I, I have a feeling that Steve Zahn's probably not as good of a friend. But, uh, but <laughs> but it's just, it's just right that charming
0: movie trope of like, let's have the random person who I barely know show up like like this is a 2023 lens like we all hate people just showing up to our doors or they' having said that I've lived in this place for nearly a year no one's just showed up to my doors hello but like it's just that kind of thing like oh like I'm a planner like if you're coming over I want to know right I want to be prepared yeah. but like it's even just this thing of like she hates this guy he's out of business how does he know we're like stalking him but she's just kind of like oh lol I'm sick ha, ha how charming I'm gonna get into bed while you sit in my bed this is a stranger stranger danger <laughs>
1: Uh, but I actually think I just solved our our plot hole problem about how he got the address, and it's another thing that dates this movie. There is probably a very short deleted scene somewhere where he's opening up the white pages, <laughs> scrolling to K, and he's like, "There we go, four, five, six, nineteenth Street." Um, you probably know where this address is, right?
0: It's on the Upper West Side. It's somewhere they. No, I mean, it's the Upper, the Upper West Side. They talk about like um, getting off at like Ninety Second Street, and you see like, yeah, it's it's all in that vicinity. Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, it's it's this whole section of the movie, I think, is some of the best stuff in here because this is what sets it apart from Sleepless in Seattle. And it's probably something that even I misinterpreted. I've definitely read reviews of people who misinterpreted this, like Tom Hanks is just messing with her now, like, oh, chauvinistic male, just, you know, uh, trying to trying to do this for his own amusement. And it's actually not it at all. Like, I think the older I get, the more I realize he still questions which woman is this? Is it the one that I enjoy talking to online? But then even when he had that scene where he tried to give her a second chance and he went back into the 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 coffee shop and then he walks out and he's he's bitter against her after that, even when he's writing because I, I never noticed till now, but when he's writing that apology, I won't tell you what happened. There's even a part where he says, I'm deeply sorry for, you know, uh, whatever. And he even erases part of that and rephrases it. So mm. he's still on edge here. He's he's trying her on to see if she fits. So I think that's what he's doing here um but uh yeah he he makes her tea and he's in the kitchen with all of her snot that's all over the counter now uh, um this is uh, uh where he mentions that steve zahn works for him now which is how he knew he she was sick uh and uh, they talk about the guy that she was meeting again and uh he tucks her into bed again a little bit weird that she's letting to do this but he I, again the sincerity when tom hanks says i just want to be your friend will you let me be your friend you know like if this movie had no other subplot about them being pen pals, then it, I think it still works. Uh, now when she's emailing him and she's saying, would you like to meet? And he's a, "I would love to meet, but I'm in the middle of a project that needs a little bit of tweaking. <laughs> uh, all this stuff here was going back and forth. And Tom Hanks is just using this to mess with her. Prodigy tweaking. That means he's married and he has three kids. <laughs> <laughs> um so she's like, I have to ask you a question. Are you married? And then he has, Am I married? How could you ask such a question all this time I'm talking to me and you're asking if I'm married? And then Tom Hanks again is like, Oh, so we never answered the question? No, he definitely answered it. It's like, No, it was very indirect. He said exactly what he would say if he 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 was caught. Uh, and now they start statement. talking about right. what what people ask you, Are you married? Am I married? <laughs> yeah, like
0: I mean, it's it's I mean, it's it's a. Thing you learn in like journalism, like if they don't directly answer the question and kind of st- sidestep around it in that way, like avoidance. Yeah,
1: oh, I thought you were talking you personally because I mean oh, y- well. y- you have to awkwardly answer. You're like legally, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, my marriage is going great. We just don't see each other.
1: <laughs> <laughs> haven't seen each other for, what two, three years? <laughs>
0: Getting on three. <laughs> um, the
1: uh the number one fifty-two. So this is where his handle NYC one fifty-two uh comes up. Now, now uh, yours. I don't want to give your give it email away. away or whatever. i not given my email away
0: on this show. No one's ever contacted me.
1: I've been in it involves NYC and a number, but mm. uh, it, people that call has me David all the time. You've got...
0: No, it's it's yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's, yeah you mentioned it's, that. But... It's based it's because Third Watch, my favorite show, my two favorite characters, like a call sign, right? Where the call sign for them was 55 David. So when I started my email address, I wanted it to be 55 David at hotmail.com. And they literally like hotmail back then was like, you can't start your email address with a number. So I'm like, okay, well, I like New York City. So I went NYC underscore five five David, mm. and that is still my email address to this day. So my username used to always be either just NYC underscore five five David or NYC five five David. And still to this day, when I use that for things, people literally call me David because they think <laughs> Hello, my David. Name is David. <laughs> so it's not uh, NYC one five two, which it should be.
1: Thank you for filling us in on that, David. Uh, Email me. Appreciate you, David. By the way, happy birthday, David. <laughs> it's David's birthday. Today. <laughs> Good man, David. Uh, so he starts playing up on this whole, oh, his his handle is NYC 152. So he's 152 years old. He had 152 moles removed. And then Meg Ryan's like, 152 people tell him he looks like Clark Gable. He goes, 152 people tell me looks like a Clark bar. <laughs> Uh, and then there's like 152 stitches from his nose job. And then Meg runs like hundred, 152, his address. And then she goes, no, he wouldn't be that obvious. And then Tom Hanks like, wait, it actually is my address. It's <laughs> <laughs> awkward. Look, there's great. Uh, so they're, they're talking about, uh, the things they couldn't be with a partner with kind of like the whole somebody who didn't vote. And she says, I could never be with somebody who has a boat. And he goes, that settles it. I have a boat. We'll never be together. I mean, he's messing with her. I can to with somebody who listens to Joni Mitchell. I mean, this is something that love this must be like a, a woman thing too. Like I know my mom was a big Joni Mitchell fan. I think in Canada you have to be, although I don't understand Joni Mitchell be. at all. <laughs> well, she she's basically Welcome to Canada, right?
0: Eh? Do you like Joni Mitchell? No. Get out.
1: Yeah, it's it's like Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, the tragically hip. Like if you have to check the all the community. She is, yeah. And then Brian Adams is like the bonus checkbox, you know? Like, if you, if you don't like one of them, he, as long as it's Brian Adams. That's I
0: the number one. Uh, thank you very much.
1: Well, definitely over Nickelback or Avril Lavigne. Hey, <laughs> but uh, she's sick. But yeah, like, Love actually also has that thing about, like, what is it with her and Joni Mitchell, you know? Uh, I, I don't understand. It's very sad, sappy music. She's got a decent voice, oh, but, like, it's not my style of the, music the, at all. The one,
0: the one song that he jokes about with the clouds um, that you I, you don't have emotions you wouldn't know what this means but like there are songs <laughs> that just make you cry and that is one that does cuz like not like the love actually scene but if you ever watched um oh what is it afterlife that's what it's called the uh, the Ricky Gervais Ricky Gervais um, yeah the the final scene in that show when he plays that song Fucking hell that is just heartbreaking so yeah
1: I mean, everybody kind of knows the big yellow taxi. I always think about the Counting Crows version and not uh, Joni Mitchell version. She so has
0: that weed like that's a generation thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: anyway, so basically, the end of the movie here. She mentions she's writing a book, so she didn't take the job with his ex. She's just writing her own children's book now. Uh, he suggests meeting up for lunch on Saturday, so now they actually kind of have become friends. And then you get the email version where he uh, asks uh, for to meet up with her what four o'clock later in the day or whatever. Uh, So he's making the double meetings. So um, their final lunch date here, uh, this is the scene where he again, he's been testing out. He's not messing with her, which again, it's so funny. Like as a teenager watching this, I completely thought this was just all for his own amusement. But it's like it's not. So right uh, before he leaves her, right before Joe Fox leaves her and mystery NYC 152 comes on. He sort of loosely mentions, you know, I wonder if I didn't put you out of business if there ever wouldn't have been a chance for us. And he basically declares his love for her in like the most innocent way possible. And even she's like kind of awkward here and they just sort of leave it. Um, uh, But then he says, you know, I don't understand how you could forgive him for standing up and not forgive me for putting you out of business. Uh, And then it's a little bit different. Like it's their livelihood versus standing somebody up. But, uh, then when you have her going to meet him, like it's such an effective scene the way it all plays out because you have this slow build of all the back and forth between them, just sort of having fun becoming friends, and then the emails at the same time, and then he leads like this really quiet scene where she's just waiting for him in the park, and she knows the dog is going to come, and you hear his voice saying "Brinkley, Brinkley," and the dog's running, and then he sort of steps into view, uh, and, and what makes it even better is not like her like you, it was you the whole time. It's the fact that she just says that line. I, I kind of wanted it to be you. And then it just sort of ends like that. And he says, don't cry shop girl or something like that. Right. Uh, and then it cuts to another Harry Nilsson song or something. Uh, we did somewhere get a Stevie Wonder song in the middle of, Oh, somewhere over the rainbow. That's right. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this. Uh, sorry to end off. Not on you've got mail. Great movie. Love it. Love the ending. Um, it brings a tear even my eye, but any oh, often, something that has nothing to do with this. <laughs> um, uh, Jamie had never seen that. I don't remember. If you'd said he'd seen it, but I, I'm a fan of the show key and peel, the Jordan peel. And whether it uh, whatever key guy uh so it was added to amazon so i uh i showed jamie an episode last night it was absolutely hilarious but there's one sketch where it was basically all right so it's the family gathered together it's like so since our our brother or whatever george is going to be married and he's gonna be having a gay marriage we thought we'd bring in this one gay person we know to prepare us for it. and basically everybody in the family is like asking questions like you know at what point in the wedding do we all have to join hands together and sing somewhere over the rainbow and it's like they have one gay guy's like that doesn't happen. It'll be the same as a regular wedding. And it's like, all right, so when do they actually have the gay kiss? It's like, it will be a regular kiss like a man and woman. When <laughs> the whole thing was going on and on. And at what point do we join hands together and sing it's Rain and Men? Hallelujah, it's Rain and Men. <laughs> no, I just can't think I'll never be able to watch the Wizard of Oz again without thinking about when do we all join hands together, and sing somewhere over the rainbow at the gay wedding. We did
0: that in Australia this year with Nicole Kidman, somewhere over the rainbow. No, you don't remember that.
1: Yeah, we did.
0: Yeah. Um I like again. I love this movie, and I'm not criticizing this movie. But you know me and time frames and falling in love. If I have any criticism of this movie, which I feel like I can't, because Sleepless in Seattle kind of did this with just people falling in love with fantasies and literally never meeting to the end. So this is an improvement. But it is, I feel like I always think there's longer that these two caught each other rather than just it's literally the last 15 yeah, minutes it's like of the a movie. Couple of weeks. It's
1: like, but the, but oh, I, I, I just thought you meant like during time period because I think it is uh, only supposed to be a couple of weeks. I mean, no, like
0: it's. I'll rephrase that. Like it, it is, it is meant to be said over a couple of weeks, but I just think it, it to me, it, it does feel a little bit rushed. Like in hindsight, now watching this as an adult with a critical podcast, eye, it does feel a little bit rushed that like, literally he rocks up to her place. This is kind of the apology scene. And then all of a sudden they're hanging out with each other. And it's like, Oh, like mm-hmm. this is nearly the end of the movie. I thought this was like the second half, not like the last 15 minutes. So that's to me where it like, it's like the one bit to me that didn't hold up in watching this was like, Oh, that feels a bit odd. Um, but outside of that, like, I, I like yeah, the scene with him, like when he shows up, when she's waiting for her, you know, the guy to show up and it's him, like, that's very clever. Like, I think it's um, it's obviously very clever that we know he knows who that is, but, like, she doesn't, if you know what I mean. Like, it's, hmm. I'm trying to think, there are so many examples, but the only one that I'm thinking of is, uh, you know, one of the best storylines in Friends ever, which even I'm sure you remember, it's like when, Chandler and Monica get together and then people start to find out. So like when Joey finds Mm -hmm. out and then when Rachel finds out and then Phoebe and like the best episode, you know, often regarded as one of the top five episodes of friends history is the one where everyone finds out. And it's just kind of fun when people play it off and you, you know, but they don't know. And the whole thing of friends, like, you know, but I know, and I don't know, and you don't know. And I'm sick of this. Um, So like, it's just, it's kind of fun. Um, But like, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard to think how you would have felt back watching this film in 1998 when the internet was still kind of just such a new thing. Even me in 1998, I don't think I'd started using the internet to maybe 99. Like I remember grade five, grade six at my primary school, we got these computers in. We were like, I think the most technologically advanced primary school in Australia at one point. We had like three or four computers in every classroom, which in 1999 was unheard of. You didn't even have one computer in a classroom, let alone three or four. So this was about the time when I'm learning the internet but, like, we can look at this now and go, like, oh, lol, they're talking over online and they're heartbroken because they didn't show up. But, like, this was so very, like, fresh and new back then. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like, you kind of really connect and feel because, as I said, this isn't happening in 2023. You stood me up. Fuck you. I'm t- matching from <laughs> Tinder. Bye bye. Like, screw you. And I've, I've literally been stood up on dates before. So, like, I'm like, it's like a. More often than you probably, you know, you know, it happens a lot. Um, but it's just, it's a thing. Yeah, but, it's a
1: picture, Ben, <laughs> with a flower sitting inside a copy of Dr. No.
0: <laughs> there you know my go-to, Colin. This got awkward. Um,
1: <laughs> I, I do
0: love, like, how, like, in today's world, when you do meet up with somebody from, like, Tinder or, like, Hinge or Bumble, and you're basically, like, you've been talking to them, you know what they look at, but still, like, as, like, if I get to a bar early... And it's kind of like, oh, I'm wearing this shirt. I look like this or whatever, that sort of stuff. I remember, like, Louise, my first, like, you. we talked about her before. <laughs> we just started, was I with no her? No,
1: and I still wonder if she exists. Survivor
0: Oz days I was with her, not with the old Network. But anyway, but, like, yeah. we met in a chat room. It was very much a you've got mail style situation. Um, but, like, back when I met her in a chat room, this was, like, 2007, 2008, this was still that period of, oh, meeting up with people on the internet. Like, that was still such a taboo probably till like the early 2010s. Like, I mean, you and I met on the internet. No one, everyone on (laughs) this show, we met on the internet. And like four years later, I'll come stay at your house. Like, I I don't care. Like, it's just, it's whatever. Everyone I could probably say in my life right now, outside of work, who I talk to, maybe like one or two people that still put up with me after high school, I've met on the internet. And now it's just- That's
1: how Ben and his dad met.
0: (laughs) 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 Who is my father, DNA (laughs) test. (laughs) Good joke, Colin. Well done. Um, <laughs> you're winning this episode. Um, but yeah, like it's just, it's, it's, again, this isn't that period where it was like taboo, like all oh, your meat, like Louise and I used to make up where we met up because it was, you just, it wasn't a thing you would say. Whereas when Mallory and I met, like, oh, I said a name. Oh, um, like, I mean, that was Tinder. So like by then it was still a bit like whatever, but nowadays it's literally our Tinder Himble him, bunge. Yeah. I've just mixed them all up. <laughs> Um, so it's kind of endearing to have that little time capsule in this whole little moment. Um, but I, the thing I love about Tom Hanks before he does the whole like delete, delete, delete thing. I love <laughs> his back and forth when he's walking in between the, the door frame, and yeah. you just see Brinkley like run, run, run. Brinkley is amazing. That is my type of dog, a big dog with shaggy hair, floppy ears, like none of these shitty little rat dogs like that woman's got in the elevator. They're not fucking dogs. Um, I really do like the Greg Kinnear-Meg Ryan breakup scene. It's sweet. Like even Greg mm. Kinnear in a breakup, you're like, Aw. Um I do like her in the bookstore when she's like crying and you got useless shop assistant. Although in, in all fairness to this shop assistant, okay, like he's a young kid. He's probably like 16. It's probably his first job, right? Everyone just wants a job and they get into a job and I'm like, this is terrible. Now, this woman is literally like, do you have the shoe books? And he's just like, the shoe books. She's like, yeah, I don't know. I was told to buy them for my niece, right? So before he can even like maybe start to think, she interrupts. She's like, oh, it's a shoe book. It's blah, 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 blah. Which I think are also real books, by the way. I think I read a trivia once that these were real books. To which then he's like, oh, and who's the author of that? And she's like, oh, Jenkins McGee. And then straight away, he's just like, how do you spell that? Like, and then Tom Hanks rolls his eyes. Like, okay, I can see a bit of frustration. Having worked retail... I mainly worked in a DVD CD store. If somebody came up to me and was like, do you have the shoe song by Jenkins McGee? And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I know that one. Uh, Could you maybe explain a little bit more? And then all of a sudden, if somebody jumped in and was like, oh, that's a great Ethiopian folk song. You should know it. They're so great. I would start with this. Like, okay, can you spell that for me? Because I wouldn't want to fuck it up. As a journalist, hello, plug again. Literally, it is my job to make sure your name is spelt right. If you say your name is John Smith, I will still ask how to spell your name because you've probably got an extra E in there that if I don't put in, you're complaining to me the next day when it's in fucking print. It's happened plenty of times before. <laughs> anyway. I, I, I'm i defending the squeaky voice pimple kid, bro. From- <laughs> um, but... Yeah, the elevator scene's funny. I love it. Uh, I mean, it's it's a nice little nostalgic scene when she's like closing the store and she sees like the flashback of her dancing with her mum. It's like, oh, sad. Well,
1: and that's one part I don't like.
0: Oh well, you've got no soul. Um, I do. Yeah, I do love the boat bit where you see like Fox Two and Fox Three. It's very uh, Independence yeah. Day. Fox Two. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I love like their back and forth about like, oh, which one is this one? Like, oh, that was a nanny. That was a nanny. Um, look, as much as I complain about how does he know her address and just shows up. It's still a sweet scene. Um, and I'm telling you now that bookstore must've been doing okay. If her apartment's that fucking big on the upper West side, right? Like people complain about friends. Like how do these people who work in coffee stores afford this? Like this is a big fucking apartment <laughs> and she is like making banks. So if she says, I've got a bit of savings for you to be able to live in this apartment, love you're rich. Um, <laughs> Oh, we didn't mention the. the uh, we did sort of mention old Beatrice woman, where I love it when she's like, I'm very rich. Like, which yeah. is doing the general generalissimo of Spain or whatever it is. Like, I love that scene. Um, but yeah, I kind of like this sort of courting between the two and they keep bumping into each other. There's like this one bit when, like, it's like really cute when he's like, Oh, well, I just might bump into you on Saturday at, say, midday, just over there. Okay. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's cute. Like, it's just, it's nice. Um, the one thing that is dated about this movie is when you see the size of their laptops and the computers that they are using. Um, <laughs> that is very dated. Um, but yeah, like the, the whole setup, like at the end, like again, I'm not, I'm, I'm nitpicking here, but like the bit when he kind of like declares her love to her, like it's a bit for like, you know, what's going on here, but like, and you see, obviously she's like going like, Oh, like maybe I'm thinking about it, but like, Let's again just paint this as another picture. This could then turn into a love triangle. What if she goes to This isn't Tom Hanks. This isn't this is just mm-hmm. this is Bill Pullman. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's back. Bill Pullman back. Hey, he's Bill Pullman. Like, um, I think I just spat on myself. That's disgusting. <laughs> um but like it's just You know, that just adds a layer to it. So, like, it's all sweet and romantic when you're sat here and somewhere over the rainbow, which is like, it's you. I so desperately wanted it to be you. Like, that's up there with a you had me at hello. Shut up, just shut up. And next week, you'll see the famous line of, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking her to love me. That's from Notting Hill. So, you'll see that next week. Very famous line. This, to me, is one of those one-liners from a a romantic comedy that always gets quoted. Um, And it's sweet. They kiss. I love Brinkley tugging on the coat. Um, but again, I just little nitpick, like, it just feels a bit like, okay, like, where did that come from? Like, what if it was just me, you know, standing in front of a girl asking her to love me. Yeah. But like it, the one thing I will say, like, yeah, like when she says, like, when he says, Oh, how can you forgive him for standing you up? But you can't forgive me. I'm like, uh, it's completely different. And this <laughs> is why this couple is broken up in six months because like in six months time when he's like, Oh, I'm off to the office. What are you doing today? Nothing. I'm unemployed. Cause you put me out of business. Like I mean, like it is literally a couple that are going to break up because he's going to constantly be like, "Oh well, I can get you a job. I don't want to work for your Fox Books chain." Like she's going to stand to her morals, and like they're they're not lasting a year. I'm saying that now. Well, this is a, they last less than they do in Sleepless in Seattle because at least in Sleepless in Seattle there's a pent up thing. They're going to be fucking for ages. Whereas <laughs> this, like, they kind of already know each other. The um. Twister. There's one where they hate each other and at each other's throats, and they get back yeah. together. A bit different. They were together previously, but there you go. There's an example. Liar Liar. I, Audrey uh, uh, I, Audrey, Teeny, and, and Jim Carrey. At more, more more tyranny, yeah. Audrey. She was called Audrey in that film. That's why I got Audrey. Yeah. Anyway. Uh,
1: no, see, I, I, I wanted to disagree. I, I wanted to be able to say this is the one where they're together forever, but I agree with you because it's kind of different reasonings. One, I think it's Sleepless in Seattle. It has a lot to do with the fact that this is this is a guy who is not going to just jump into a relationship with anybody. They're probably broken up a year and a half later, two years later, right? They're, they're going to last a little while. With this, it comes down to two things. One, we already know these two butt heads, which, you know, just I don't think that that's a bad thing. Which they butt Davis? heads. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Mike <my> Ryan. <laughs>
0: seriously you need to like do tiktok videos or something like you're really good at that
1: but uh but <laughs> Sorry, i don't think the fact that they <laughs> they butt heads is such a bad thing because i mean that's kind of the way that most relationships are right like there's things oh, where you're no. very much the same and very much the opposite right uh but it's the fact that like they butt heads in such an extreme way like they he has even said i bring out the worst in you she admits you bring out the worst in me there's some of that they're not going to get over. But to me, the main thing is, in Sleepless in Seattle, these two are kind of, re- well, he doesn't really know her at all, but she's really into this guy. She has limited exposure. She has had a long time to get used to the idea of, do I want to be with this guy? How long these two have had, we can think maybe Tom Hanks has been thinking about this the whole time that he's been playing you know this double role. But realistically, they have that one scene that afternoon, a couple hours earlier, where they're like, hey, you ever think, what if... Right now, this is this is something where they could be broken up a week later. Like, hey, we clearly just don't work together. They haven't even had the thought about yeah. whether or not they could be a couple.
0: Here is the plot hole that I, I'm i glad you you ticked it in my brain, right? So um, why does Meg Ryan, like, she's unloaded to Tom Hanks over the last few weeks about this guy. She's told him everything. Could he not just mm-hmm. be playing her? Could he not just be like, well, now that I'm single and now that I'm like, she doesn't know who this guy is. He stood her up once before. Yeah. So like, I'm getting into her soul here. So like, shouldn't there be some, like brief, I'm spitting what is going on here today? Yeah. Like, I'm, 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 not, I'm not doing this. I had that last either. week. <laughs> but, um, like, could she, he not just have used this to play her completely and shot be like, Hey, yeah, I know everything. One, five, two. It's the size of my dick. Like, I mean, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like he just, he's kind of like, you know, there should be questions here. Maybe I'm just too, um, paranoid in life, but, uh, I guess it was the nineties, the innocent days. People didn't scam yeah. people on the internet in the nineties.
1: <laughs> Never happened. Well, they got the internet uh, now- on computers now. <laughs> now, uh, critically, I-, I said that this would actually be like easily the lowest, but I, I looked up all the other movies here comparing even Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb. They're actually not that far off. Uh, so you've got male, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 70%, uh, which is still pretty decent uh it's IMDB is six point seven. Um uh, Pretty Woman is seven point one on IMDb, so slightly higher, and sixty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So this actually has a better rating than even Pretty Woman, which was Oscar nominated. Sleepless in Seattle, a six point eight, so only one spot higher than this on IMDb, seventy five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. Notting Hill, 7.2 that, up. Up. that
0: shit's all over. Yeah,
1: it. like seven point two on IMDb, so Little bit higher 84%. than the others, 84% yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a great movie. Maybe the best is yet to come. I, I never thought though coming into this, that like it, it, I would enjoy all these movies. I kind of knew with You've Got Mail, but the, the other ones too. Uh You've Got Mail is still you know my favorite of these. It's gonna spoil my rankings at the end. But I'm, uh I'm still
0: torn over this And next week.
1: Yeah, I, I think that this movie this is one where the reputation is kind of built over the years. Mm. Uh, because I don't remember this coming out and being like instant classic. Like, I mean, the box office did well. But it wasn't like a movie that I don't think I would have predicted in 1998 that You've Got Mail would be a movie that 25 years later, any podcast would be covering. And I'm I, almost willing to bet we're probably not even the only podcast that's covered You've Got Mail. Um, some of the reviews it had, though, uh, positive ones, Roger Ebert uh, said that uh, the, the characters were immensely lovable, which I think we kind of disagree with that on a little bit. Um, uh, and Janet Maslin, the New York times said, miss Ryan plays a role blithely and credibly this time with an air of freshness, a minimal of minimum of cute fidgeting and a lot of fond chemistry with Mr. Hanks, uh, bad reviews though. Nathan Rabin of the AV club said it takes almost two self infatuated, smarmy, condescending, cringe inducingly sentimental hours to reach his preordained conclusion. Uh, kind of disagree with that. Although, you know, the two characters, I, I, if they're talking about two characters being self infatuated, maybe, um, imdb let's do the imdb reviews here can I, can I, before you, can you get to that, that just
0: quickly i just googled Go you've it. got mail podcast uh does, i can't see any episodes on it but i can say we could listen to you've got mail bella welcome to you've got mail the podcast discussing everything you experienced in your 20s or we could listen to the you've got mail podcast love letters to the people in my life and to myself <laughs> or you could listen to 49ers you've got mail podcast a podcast about the san francisco 49ers so um i'm i'm down i want to Listen to everything that Bella experiences in her 20s. That sounds fun.
1: Uh, the IMDb one-star reviews, uh, there are some pretty long ones here. I'll just kind of skim through this. A truly despicable movie, said Zarbon, <laughs> like a character from zar Uh, First, I will qualify this by saying that I enjoyed both Sleeps in Seattle and Joe vs. the Volcano, which are two other Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan romantic movies. Yes, even a heterosexual male such as myself can enjoy getting lost in a love story if it's a good one. Uh, then he just goes on complaining about you've got mail, uh, stupid and insulting says Andy two nine six. Uh, the film is truly stupid. And insulting. Tom Hanks stars as a manager of a Barnes and a man. She's the freaking owner uh, <laughs> <laughs> moves into a new part of town. At the same time he starts an email relationship with Meg Ryan, who owns a small bookstore in the same area. As it happens, Meg Ryan is bookstore. this is the plot of the movie. Thank you very much for filling us in. Uh, the problem with many American movies, they try to be critical of capitalism, but they end up embracing it. Um, so this guy's complaint is about it's embraces capitalism. Corporate strong arming is cute with exclamation marks says Den. Mm. First, Tommy and Maggie are cute and likable. Okay. (laughs) With a question mark. We all know this. They are sweet and likable and I'm sure they'd have sweet, likable movie love together again. Okay. With a question mark. (laughs) Hello, my Jesus Uh, God, people. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I love these ones where it's like so many people complaining that it's a two hour ad for Starbucks and AOL I I really do not understand people who complain that movies are ads like all these people who like
1: you're gonna complain if you make up you know A.O.F. as a fictional version
0: too like I mean again defending Die Another Day I mean there are other things that are worse than Die Another Day but like everyone complain oh this is just a two hour ad for James Bond like how do these things pay for movies? D- Dino that I think famously is the first movie that paid for its budget because of plot product placement. And again, I'm with <laughs> you. Like when we get to 24 season eight, I'm going to be complaining so badly that the NYPD have the wrong logo. And it's just, they obviously didn't get the rights the right. Like I hate that crap. Like it's yeah. just, I like movies that have real stuff in it and it's just fun. Like Duncan Chino was hilarious. The one good thing about <laughs> Jackie, like it's just silly. and like, we have like three Starbucks scenes you've got like AOL, you've got like, why do people complain about advertising so much in movies? It annoys me.
1: It, there's there's cases where there's advertising because they're looking for, how do we do product? placement. So there's, there's a famous episode of Smallville where uh, it basically is Clark's friend choose kryptonite infused gum. Um, <laughs> but they, they keep showing stride Gummer, I think is what they're using on it. And then later on, there's another with a cell phone where it's like T-Mobile and you're always seeing the logo. Like that's bad product placement. But- When it's a movie where the product is part of the plot, you can't do a movie about pen pals writing letters in, you know, 1998. And if you had done that, they would have complained that it was an ad for the U S postal service, right? (laughs) You have to have something and let's have something that is identifiable with people. So AOL, you've got a title, you've got a sound effect, you've got everything built in. I, we didn't have AOL here. Uh, I don't know exactly how it works. Uh, We had COL. Yes. (laughs) But, uh, But it's not like I watched this movie and I'm like, oh, they have clearly shown you how you connect and how you can order it for yourself. Like, it's none of that. It's just a part of the plot. But
0: I think it's also like that sound and the you've got mail line was so synonymous with the internet back then. And it's also like... Starbucks and the like, like I'm thinking like random examples of like over the top product placement people complain about that it just works. Like, I mean, if we ever do Castaway, that's a whole, that's a two hour ad for freaking FedEx. Yeah. I didn't know what FedEx was until I saw Castaway. Now we've got FedEx in Australia. The random one that I'm thinking of, and it's a it's random kids' movie that I love that I would love to cover one day Richie Rich. And, like, there's that bit when, Mm. like, the kids come over the day and they say, you've got your own McDonald's? Like, I mean, (laughs) it's literally a scene to show McDonald's, but it's fucking hilarious because it's like, wow, imagine being so rich you've got your own McDonald's in your own house. Or, like, the fifth element when they show up to, like, the McDonald's uh, in the drive-thru just for, like, that one scene so you see what McDonald's drive-thrus are like in, like, the future.
1: Uh, I don't know if they have – they probably have it, at least in America, maybe not over there, but every movie I've been to now, they have a little ad that airs before the movie – which is just showing all the movies where McDonald's has been mentioned. The two that you mentioned that. there are in it. Because yeah. it's Loki. They're and, and, doing
0: it in the lead up to Loki.
1: Yeah, which I'm sure in Loki it'll be product placement. For, it's, for they've the got their part. own
0: brand. They're, sorry, they, 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 the the big thing that they've done with that is Sweet and Sour Sauce. They've like really, It's like a weird product placement of Sweet and Sour Sauce in the new season of Loki. So yeah, I, I actually really like that ad though. It's clever.
1: Yeah, because and part of it is that you you watch this and you're like, okay, this isn't movies where McDonald's paid them. This is just we're writing a movie. We need to have a fast food chain. You're going to identify it as McDonald's, right?
0: Yeah. Well, there's, there's two things to that. Cause I remember when I first saw Weird Al, the the one i sent seen him twice, the, the one that was actually good. Um, Like he, <laughs> he played like, cause that was one where he'd go in like costume change. Like he'd dress up in the fat suit and kind of do all that for his songs. So in between hand, he would just show like video clips. And one of the ones he did was like, he just showed a montage of either him in shows or like every time he's mentioned. So like, him in the Simpsons and all that sort of stuff. And there's like mm. a famous friends episode when they go to the Bahamas and like Monica's got like really curly hair and Chandler's like, you look like Weird Al Yankovic. And then when I saw Elton John earlier this year, he also did a thing. I think it was when he was singing, I'm still standing. He had like a massive montage behind him of just like, he's Elton John in everything. And like, these are the times I mentioned Elton John and like fucking hell Elton John's in a lot of things. Um, that guy just appears he's probably been on this show. We don't even realize. But like, I just, I love it when they kind of do that. And it's kind of, it was just like, really clever and that's like the Empire State Building as I talked about last week with Sleepers in Seattle before you go to the top of the building before you go to the top of the building they play like this massive montage of every like movie or tv show that it's mentioned or shown in so long-winded rant about like shut up about oh you have too much product placement in it if anybody wants to sponsor this show I will sell this show to fucking anyone I've said that before (laughs) Taylor Swift if you're listening I fucking hate you but if you're like I will pay you this amount of money and you become the Oz Network sponsored by Taylor Swift's errors tour fucking do it done (laughs) it's
1: the only thing that uh she hasn't actually got ads on yet
0: true Uh, she'll just break up with us in five minutes and uh fucking (laughs) write a song about us
1: you'd bill pullman us uh so box office um now it's funny that like sleepless in seattle is considered like the massive blockbusters like oh this one did well they basically made the same amount of money Uh, It's just five years difference. You know, 1993, Sleepless in Seattle, one of the top five highest grossing films of the year, the year the Jurassic Park came out and it made $125 million. You Got Mail domestically made $115 million in 1998. And it's not even in the top 10 highest grossing films of the year. Uh, Now worldwide, it still makes $250 million. Like a romantic comedy does not cost that much money. I think this movie costs like $60 million. So huge profit for it regardless. But when you look at like the box office just for the year, I mean, Saving Private Ryan, number one movie of the year. Then Armageddon, Something About Mary, Bugs Life, Waterboy, Dr. Dolittle, Rush Hour, Deep Impact, Godzilla, Patch Adams, oh, League 4, Truman Show, Mulan, and then you've got Mail. Great um, two movies that are advertised in this movie made more money. And still, $150 this year. And I think this is actually a record because I remember it being a big deal at the time. 18 movies made a hundred million dollars, which mm. I don't think it had ever even come close to happening before. So huge year for movies. This is one of those um,
0: rare years that I can look at that top 10 and go, Hey, I've seen every movie in that top 10. that has been a long yeah, time exactly. since I've seen Save a Private Ryan, but I know you've already done this, something about *Mary* with Matt, but like that would have been an obvious romantic comedy mm-hmm. to do. Um, but yeah. And it's interesting. Opening. Uh... Yeah. I was going to say you go ahead. Uh, babe
1: Pig in the City oh, was, was gonna... still out that week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, opening weekend. So this opens, I, I I don't remember being this close to Christmas. Like, again, the summer mo- or the Christmas movie season changes so much. Because we'll, let's look at the movies here. It opens December 18th, mm. 2000, uh, or 1998. December 18th. Number one movie, $18 million. Prince of Egypt, number two, $14 million. Then A Bug's Life, Star Trek Insurrection, Jack Frost, uh-huh. Enemy of the State, Waterboy. This is not like blockbuster, blockbuster movies. These are like, you know, smaller, maybe Star Trek and Enemy of the State, like the type of movies you expect. Um, and even the second week that it's out on Christmas weekend, it's number three behind Patch Adams and Stepmom. Um, totally different. the of movies we get now. Well, I haven't seen Stepmom and Patch Adams does not fit the criteria. Hey, (laughs)
0: Marty, Joe, young Bill Paxton.
1: (laughs) That's a good one. Faculty, another good one. Um, but yeah, this is obviously a different era, but I mean, an $18 million opening, uh, makes eighteen million dollars the second week. It makes fourteen million the third weekend. I'm like, this movie actually was probably bigger than I even remembered it being. Um, even if it's not in the top ten. I
0: remember being be- it. like, I remember like there being a lot of talk around this yeah the box office and that sort of stuff. But um, I think it just got overshadowed. It's because by this.
1: Saving Saving Private Ryan came yeah. out earlier. But
0: also, there's something about Mary. I think was the romantic yeah. comedy that year that kind of took over. Um, very different film and that i mean and influential cuz that kind of then set the tone for what romantic comedies would be for the next mm-hmm. you know thing like yeah i mean we should do almost a faraly romantic comedies like we could do stuck on you shallow how i always love shallow how
1: um forgetting Sarah marshall get him to the greek those fit in the same about Mary. Yeah, cata- category yeah yeah uh plot keywords dog month internet <laughs> month
0: oh where was the uh, one here it was like um uh a sneeze month there was a funny one that i just saw it was like reference to a cold month like,
1: eating an apple
0: here's all those evil movies <laughs> again like can we can we get like a hollywood writer on the show I and mean, they're not doing much at the moment like can we just get why eating an apple is like an evil thing um pirates of the Caribbean, curse of the black pearl the suicide squad the nice guys and godzilla vs kong hmm.
1: uh hudson river month now Sully had better be number one on this. Uh you've got mail's number one, followed by National Treasure and then Sully and then the Adjustment Bureau. Sully wasn't wow. that good. Tom Hanks saved people's lives crashing on the Hudson River and he knocks himself off, or you've got mail uh, uh, because he has a boat in the Hudson River? Well,
0: yeah. Well there's there's two here. The, the one that I wanted having a cold month. Um, which we could be... Surely Independence Day has to be number one on this one. No. All right. You've Got Mail, Drowning Love, Telling Secrets, and High School Debut. It looks like an anime or something like that. Uh, I, 79th Street, Boat Basin, Manhattan, that. New York City Month.
1: <laughs> Here we go.
0: Starring You've Got Mail. That's it.
1: Uh, Reference to Attila the Hun month. Oh, yeah. Uh, We got Bram Stoker's Dracula, You've Got Mail, Mulan, and JFK. 1998, a big year for references to Attila the Hun. Goldfish in a
0: Plastic Bag month. Uh, Mr. Bean better be number (laughs) one. Uh, You've Got Mail, Jerry Maguire, Eye of the Beholder, and A Touch of Sin. Uh, We did that, didn't we? Um,
1: I'm just trying to find the bottom one at this point.
0: Punctuation. Finger Gun month. Here we go. Yeah. Um, we could do the equalizer too. Pulp Fiction, Joker, and No Country for Old Men. Okay. Uh, wow. I
1: can't believe the very bottom one is based on a play month. <laughs> <laughs> the most pivotal thing about this is based on a play.
0: Holding one's hand over someone's mouth month. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Park. You've got Mayo, the Peanut Butter Falcon, and Robert Hood. I just, I love the analness of some of these ones. Like, literally, somebody out there in the universe. He's watching You've Got Mail and they've got, oh, IMDb, got to do this. All right, what am I going to add here? Okay, dog month. Yep, okay, bench month, children's Well, at one point they hold a hand over someone's mouth. Holding one's (laughs) hand over someone's mouth month. Like, okay. Is the rooftop killer
1: in more movies than one? (laughs) Cheating
0: on one's girlfriend month. Cheating on one's boyfriend (laughs) month. Reference to Mr. Darcy. Reference to Ethel Rosenberg. Uh, Zabar's Food Emporium. New York City. Oh,
1: how many movies? Uh, as many as McDonald's?
0: I, I don't know. Where's yeah? Where's their like little chain ad uh, featuring? You've got mail. That's it. Oh.
1: <laughs> they
0: select their uh, movies correctly.
1: Uh, so this shouldn't be uh, a surprise to anybody. This is a buy and it is number one on my list right now. Um, It's kind of sad as I'm going through this month. I'm like, Sleepless in Seattle, I've you know, seen it many times, but it wasn't fresh in my memory. Pretty Woman hadn't seen it in years. I'm like pretty woman currently sitting last place in mine, And yet if we did this in another, if this were another type of themed month, that could be a number one movie.
0: Yeah. This is so difficult for me. It's obviously a buy, but like I would have gone into this month going guaranteed top two will be Notting Hill. And you've got mail because like, I love these movies, but I'm honestly struggling. Cause I really love pretty woman that much. Mm. And I honestly am struggling right now and like sleepers. i enjoy it. But again, that's, that's going to be the bottom for me. Um but I kind of want to put Pretty Woman above You've Got Mail. Like I really like it. it. I love that movie. I just I'm not ashamed to admit that I watched You've Got Mail <laughs> Pretty Woman and I loved it. But um uh but this has just got the nostalgia to it and ah uh, they're just and both Craig good movies. Uh yeah this this gets the nod above Pretty Woman by like 0.1 of a percent. Like wow. almost equal, which again is going to make next week even harder.
1: Well, that's what I'm curious about, because I've seen nothing on Notting Hill. Um, I Nothing don't... Hill. Nothing Hill. Nothing on Nothing Hill. <laughs> uh... Oh, good one, Ben. <laughs> oh, comedy goals for Ben Waterworth. Oh. Thank you, Colin. Uh, but uh, it's kind of unusual that I didn't see this movie. I think 1999 is when this comes out. That's the year of The Phantom Menace. That's probably all I was watching. It was also The, the Matrix, The Mummy. So there are, I think, just bigger movies, and this slipped through the cracks, because I loved Hugh Grant. I mean, especially nine months, uh, ever since I saw nine months. Nine months might be maybe next only Bowfinger, my favorite comedy of all time. But uh, I never got around to watching this movie. and I think part of it was that maybe when Julia Roberts had done one too many of these movies, I just associate them all together. Is this one America's Sweethearts? Is this one Notting Hill? Is this one Runaway Bride? Which one is which? Uh, But I'm excited to see it because, I mean, this was Richard Curtis, right? This was his directorial Mm. debut. Um, he's a brilliant writer. He's a good director. I've seen several of his movies. He's one of the guys who wrote Mr. Bean. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll get Rowan Atkinson in Notting Hill next week. Uh, most importantly, we have the uh, I think this was the the big breakthrough for Reese Ifens, because I remember when the replacements came out. And everybody was talking about that guy everybody loved in Notting Hill is in the new Keanu Reeves movie. So I'm hoping that he steals the movie. Because as much as I love Hugh Grant, like ReSiphons, he's such an underrated actor.
0: Um, A couple of Hugh Grant ones just ticked over for future Romantic Comedy Months while I'm out there. Music and lyrics, we love that movie. But um, Two Weeks Notice, great film. Uh, You like Two Weeks Notice? I don't know if I've seen that one. No, I don't think I've seen it. Um, I mean, this movie is just like, it's so good. And it's got so many famous people in it, like, before they're famous. This is Misha Barton in this movie. Neighbours, Misha Barton is in this movie. Hugh Barneville. Yeah, Alec Baldwin's in this movie. Um, but, no, Reese does steal this movie. Like, uh, <laughs> there's something wrong with this yogurt. Um, uh, that's mayonnaise. All well, that explains it then. <laughs> he just keeps eating it. <laughs> And just wait for his uh, T-shirts. His T-shirts are like the the star of this movie. And there's a famous bit from the um the trailer when he walks out in his underwear and he's got all the press. This movie is just so good. Like it just makes me smile just thinking about it because it's just it's uh, the chemistry between these two is great. I think like they're both just born to play these roles. Julia Roberts is playing herself essentially in this film, and Hugh Grant is playing himself in this film. And it's just it's just sweet. And this is one of these ones where I feel you kind of get it at the end that you see they are together in the future. So it kind of, I feel this would, would last, but I, I think it's just kind of like, it's also like really cleverly like parody on just like Hollywood. And I just think it's really, really funny. Um, And just the, the randomness people that shows in it. I mean, there's a few people in this that you probably won't know. I mean, I think you said you eventually watched the Vicar of Dibley. Um, oh yeah. So Emily, Emma Chambers, who was like the really sort of like dumb blonde, a dumb girl who's now sadly she, she's passed away, but um, she's in this film You've got Dylan Moran, who, if you ever watched the British uh, sitcom Black Books, he was the really grumpy uh, bookstore owner and was fantastic. And he's a really, really funny stand-up comedian. Like he comes to Australia all the time. I've never seen him live, but he's fucking hilarious. He plays like this guy who like tries to steal a book, and it's just this every time. Like I, my dad and I were in Melbourne last week. We're in a bookstore and we're just quoting Notting Hill because he runs a travel bookstore. I know I'm spoiling this, but it's just so funny. And this guy just walks in. It's like. Got any Charles Dickens? Oh no no, this is a travel book store. We only sell travel books. Oh right right. Got any uh, Jane Austen? <laughs> 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 just, no no, this is a bookstore. We are a travel. Book. We only sell. It's funny. Like it's just it is that sort of like subtle British humour that is just very very funny. So yeah. I, re- I you'll like it. I can't see you not liking this film, uh, whether or not you rank it as high. But it's just it's just so well done and. Notting Hill is a real place in London, which when I'm there next year, I would like to go to. Um, so it shall be fun. But yeah, Recyfens is probably the star of this film. Uh, and when we did the replacements, uh, that was, I think when I lost it, that you hadn't seen him in anything else.
1: Uh, and that quote that you mentioned about the mayonnaise, that that <laughs> I have a real story of something very similar to happened to me like that. So I'll, I'll tell that next Stop week.
0: Something wrong with this yogurt. <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll, I'll wet your appetite for when I live through something like that. Uh, so uh before that, we're gonna have regular 24 episodes, and then probably a review of the Blue Beetle is already out now, and it was amazing. Uh, maybe Jamie and I will actually review my Big Pack Greek Wedding three because uh, Why she's not? excited to talk about it. We'll have a little bit more spare time now because we'll have all the three kids, kids in dead. school for well, the oh. kids will be in school at least for a few hours a day where it'll be <laughs> quiet and there's nobody. Never happened before. Are Remy and Casey that
0: age already? Jesus.
1: Well, like they're starting, it's the the autism program Casper was in. So it's basically like their preschool is what they're starting. Uh, but it'll be two years, and it runs during even summer break too. So for the next two years, so Monday to Friday, they're gone for at least a Look few hours in the, the morning. Look at the smile on his face right now. Oh, it's amazing. I've never thought we'd he get, get here. to have
0: sex again, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
1: It's a, speaking of father the bride again you know there's a, the part of father the bride when they realize they're having a kid when they've already got one who's like in her mid-20s and one who's a teenager it's like you know we're just at the finish line and now we got to start from square one that's why we're never having kids again <laughs> we're, we're we're not even close to the finish line but we're like we're like a hundred we're like a hundred meters into the the, ma- the marathon right now that's
0: that's the beauty of like if i ever get a phone call at like some kids turned 18 is like hi i discovered you're my father like i had have to put up with all that crap like you know yeah. like
1: <laughs> You're the lucky one. Uh, So yeah, that has something to do with other episodes we have coming out. So (laughs) stay tuned for whatever you have. Uh, My name is Colin and happy Thanksgiving back.
0: And my name is Ben and I am not a 22-year-old cocktail waitress and thank you. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming